my one-hour comedy special, The Machine, airs on Showtime November 11th at 10 p.m. That's right, everybody. I am very pleased to announce my one-hour comedy special on Showtime, The Machine, airs 11-11 at 10 p.m. So do me a favor. Spread the word, tell your friends, set your DVRs, put it on your post-it at work, tattoo it on your arm, watch it in your machine shirt that you can get at BurtBurtBurt.com, and tell everyone the machine, 11-11 at 10 p.m. Hey guys, don't skip forward. Let me talk to you for two seconds. This is the week. This is the time I've been waiting for for a while. My Showtime special, as you know, airs 11-11 at 10 p.m. This Friday, it's called The Machine. You've heard the story. You know the story. But that does not mean you shouldn't tune in and listen to the whole, watch the whole special. So do me a favor. Set yourself a reminder on your phone for real. Don't skip forward and think I'm going to say the same thing I've always said. Tell a friend. Post it on social media for me. Take a, take a second and, and help. That's all I'm asking for is your help. If you reach out to – if you connect with five fucking people, I know how many people listen to this podcast. If you connect with ten people, if each of you connect with ten people, this show – will be a massive ratings hit. If you each connect with five people, it will still be a massive ratings hit, and that will mean a great deal for me and my career and this podcast and who I can get on this podcast and what I can do with this podcast, and it would mean a great deal to me from the bottom of my heart. So just take a second and tweet about it or, or Facebook about it or download the repost thing from Instagram and repost one of my many trailers I've put out this week to promote this special, it's Friday. You have two days. It's Wednesday right now. It's Wednesday morning. Just go around your office and be like to to 10 people, hey, have you seen Burke Kreischer? Let me show you this machine story. This is really great. This is going to be on this special, but it's so much better because that was four years ago, and this is now, and you got to see this. This guy performed shirtless. It's fucking awesome. Just... Promote me. Help me promote me. I would mean the great mean the world to me. It really would. And that's coming from the bottom of my heart, sitting in my man cave, fucking ego destroyed from doing five hours of press every morning from five until ten. You get into this rote fucking unreal thing where you're just you're laughing and you're in it and you're fucking telling jokes and they're laughing and you don't know how much they're in it. And then you hang up and then you do it again. You do, you know, 20 or 30 of them and. And you do podcasts and and you just it's you feel like a promotional whore. That's what I'm gonna call my next spe- special. I'm a promotional whore because I'm like I'm bragging. I'm just bragging. And I'm I'm not a braggart. I mean, well yeah, I am a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I'm a little bit of a humble bragger and a little bit of a whatever. I'm a, look, I'm already fucking destroying myself. <laughs> I've got a negative dialogue inside my head about myself, and I need you to help me change it. So just like I said. Help me spread the word. Let's do a grassroots movement so that so that everyone knows that, that us podcast fans are legit. That when we're a fan of something and we dig what a guy's doing and putting out, that we support it and it's legit. Because, you know, there's so many people that want to shit on this medium. And I know that you know just as much as I know that I'm as much of a fan as you are. 
I like these podcasts just as much as you do. When we run into each other, the fucking first thing we say is, who did Rogan have on his podcast? Tommy and Christina are fucking hilarious. Ari's fucking podcast about the running of the Bulls is amazing. Did you hear Joey and Felipe talk about fucking Judas Priest the other day? We're all fans of these podcasts. So let's take a second and see if it can benefit me. That sounds like a fucking horry thing to say. But you know what I'm saying. I've talked long enough. I appreciate you listening. Um, obviously, tour dates. I'm in Baltimore this weekend uh, coming up. I'll be there for the 11th. I'll be doing Elliot in the morning. I'll be on promotional tour all right now. So if you're listening to this, turn in your local radio station. You'll hear me uh, talking about the machine and Van Wilder and all the fucking shit that is my cult of personality. <laughs> my drinking, my fucking belly. I'm losing weight. I've got a bet with Ari and Tom Segura that was, were, that is a legit bet. We're going to see if Tom and I can get our BMIs below obesity just into overweight. And if we can, both of us, then Ari has to take us on a trip. And if either of us can't, then we've got to pay for a trip for the three of us. So uh, that bet is real. So I will be challenging myself to lose weight. I'll probably be putting up weight loss vlogs. Those were kind of inspiring. Kind of held me to the fire. Um, I got Tampa, Indianapolis. And uh, West Palm, Fort Lauderdale coming up in December, along with um, what the fuck's the guy, the thing? Uh, Oxnard, New Year's Eve. That's it. That's my intro. Not totally, because I got to tell you who's on the podcast today. Today's guest is Steve-O. Uh, I love Steve-O. I think Steve-O's fucking fantastic. And you can tell it. In the very beginning of this podcast, his energy was like kind of guarded, and then it shifts, and we chill. We talk. Uh, we have a great conversation. All the stuff I'm fascinated about, about his pass through jackass and getting into stand-up and working in clubs and his Showtime special, it, it, is, a, uh, it is one of my favorite podcasts I've done. I know that I love when he's on podcasts, so I in- immediately know that you guys will love when he's on mine. So uh, it, it's a good podcast. He said to me, he goes, I hope I didn't retread over any stories that I've told before. And I was like, I didn't want to geek out and be like, I've listened to you on every fucking podcast you've been on. I think we're good. Like, I definitely didn't know how much money you made on Jackass. Like, that was fucking fascinating. But uh, And we talk about that. So without further ado... Uh, no more plugs for this goddamn special. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Steve-O. This is Check that mic. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. You, you look so much more grown up than I <laughs> thought you'd look. Um, let's see if I can get this Mevo working. Do you know what Mevo is? I do not, man. It's pretty cool. It's this, uh, let's see. Oh, fuck it. Um, let's see if I can do it later. It's this uh, Facebook Live thing. Uh, okay. It's. Uh, do you do Facebook Live? Um, you know, uh, I have. And, do you do uh, any social media? I know. I'm pretty active with social media. Really? Yeah, I go through like kind of phases a little bit. I've been mellow lately. You seem like a guy. It's it's interesting. I always you, uh, you know who Bobcat Goldthwait is obviously sure. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. When I first met him, I, like I have a weird thing with saying things. I don't mean it offensive by say things that I think. Uh-huh. You know how you have a preconceived notion of someone your whole life, and then you meet them, and you're like, 
Uh-huh. And I said to Bobcat when I first met him, I go, hey, what kind of car do you drive? And he just was like, why would you ask that? And I was like, I don't know. I've, I've always wondered what kind of car a guy like you drives. And he was like, man, you're catching me on the wrong fucking day. I just got rid of this old suicide door Lincoln, and I just bought a Mercedes. And I was like, like you could see the sellout in his eyes, you know? <laughs> I remember meeting him and asking him uh, if – if uh he could, if he had an extra piece of chewing gum, and, yeah. and, and uh, I thought that my breath stunk, and so I asked him, "Hey, may you get another piece of gum?" He says, "Oh, uh, it, it, it's nicotine gum I'm chewing." And I said, "Oh, no way, man! Did you quit smoking?" He says, uh, "No, I just chew the gum too. I smoke <laughs> and I chew the gum as well." <laughs> I thought that was so fucking cool. I mean, I guess he had tried. To, you know, to quit and, and, and I don't know. But yeah, so he smokes and chews nicotine gum. That, that's fucking impressive. Well, I think Bobcat's an interesting fucking guy. Yeah. How so? Uh, so I'm, I'm dying to talk to you about so much shit, <clears throat> but namely stand up because sure, man. you're one of the few people that kind of, you're the few people, one of the few people that transitioned. And your reputation at clubs isn't a dick, which is, I mean, cool. I say that from like, from my perspective, I've been doing stand-up 17 years, and uh, coming up on 18, uh, yeah, 18 in two days. Yeah, I'm pretty careful about, like, number one, of course, uh, giving a shit about what I do, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm just such a, a true attention whore. Are you really, do you think? Really, really. But, like, I'm not a, a thrill seeker. I'm not an adrenaline junkie. It's, it's not that. I don't even... I mean, for example, I'm fucking terrified of roller coasters. Oh. You know? uh, there's, not, there's no part of me that really uh, wants the to, to be in danger or, uh, or, or you know, uh, even really to go faster. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just uh, an attention whore, and I have some kind of primal um, urge to be known, to to exist, to to even have a legacy beyond my years. And um, you know, who knows why? But um, but yeah, so it just really, it really matters to me when people come out to see me that uh, that, that I put on a great show for them. And uh, you know, that I think has has really been been the the number one thing that's helped. And I guess as far as like with, with the clubs, um, you know, I have a, uh, my rider, which which is of course like the things that you demand. Yeah. And um, you know, all I have on it is uh, water. <laughs> yeah. And, and and that's fucked up too, man. I don't even need that on there because uh, I, you know, and this is something that's, that's really sort of uh, upsetting and 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 troubling for me because. Um, <clears throat> I've hit my head so much over the years, um, and 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 way back when when Jackass first started, I I, uh, I launched out a, a, a live stage show, which was which that was that was an interesting that was like a, what Stanhope does is like a a bar you'd go bar to bar and it was like fucking full on event it was you Wee Man Preston pretty much right yeah and it wasn't even really we we were doing like big fucking theaters and everything back then i mean it was like like you know really? when did jackass heyday yeah we would have like fuck man like 1500 up to 3000 even people would show up and and it was like uh 
I, I, I would have stunts I was definitely going to do every show, but there was basically just, you know, I was drunk, you know, on, on drugs. I actually promoted the shows by promising that I would be drunk and on drugs or your money back. And without fail, like the, my entrance, my grand entrance to the, to the stupid show, like I would come out on stage with like a 24 pack of, uh, of Budweiser cans. Yeah. And, and I would throw some out into the crowd, and then I would just start to to slayer music. I was just slam these cans on my head. You started that your hour special that way on Showtime. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'd slam them on my head, and they they'd break in half. And then, of course, I got sober, and so then I started fucking coming out with 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 carbonated water cans and smashing them on my head, which is how I, yeah I started my Showtime special. And 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 that's so cool that you know that. Thank you, dude. I'm uh, not. I'm not, like I don't come by this interview casually. Oh, well, I'm a legit you, fan. I like that I can a lot. tell you, I can <laughs> tell you things in your career that would ca- you go. Really? I love that, man. Thank you so much. But, you know, it got to a point where I fucking, you know, I was waking up in the morning and I'd get out of bed and I'd walk like, like, fuck, I'm trying to walk straight and I'm walking diagonally. Like, it was like, I don't know, it was vertigo or whatever it is, but, yeah. but like, but I'm like, I, I got to stop hitting myself in the head because at that point I'm, I'm doing comedy clubs where, you know, you got one show on Thursday, two on Friday, two on Saturday, one on Sunday, six shows per weekend. And I'm smashing fucking cans of soda water on <laughs> yeah. every show. We're talking about 240 <laughs> cans smashed on your head. <laughs> it's fucked up. And, and, and in fact, I finally, st- thank God I stopped doing that. But uh, but that's why that's what why it remains on my rider today. A twelve pack of carbonated water cans for, for me to smash on my fucking head. No, no. Is there <laughs> is there a part of you that that because uh, you're ex- you're extremely accessible on the road? Meaning mm-hmm. the big thing that they say. I mean, I, I do like. Uh, I think it's it was forced upon us. Dame was the first one that would do it. Would do be do a meet and greet before that. Uh-huh. Comics would stay in the green room. You'd never talk to the audience. And then Dame did it. It became the norm. But then you took it almost to the next level because uh, I remember being in Omaha in that little hallway where everyone lines up and and the person who helped me sell merch was like, you know, Steve-O's out here for like a fucking full hour talking to people and taking pictures and answering yeah. people's questions. For sure. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of less of a meeting grade than just for people to get photos, you know? Um, and, and I did that right away. I mean, for, for, uh, for me to be coming from sort of the arena of jackass and where I like, you know, break bones and shove shit up my ass. And then all of a sudden I'm trying to, you know, sell myself as a stand up comedian. Um, it was important to me from the very beginning that, that I'd send everybody home possible that I can with uh, a photo, you know, thinking that <clears throat> thinking that if they enjoyed the show, which people generally really do. That they're gonna uh, post that photo and they're gonna, you know, sort of let their friends know, hey man, Steve will put on a great show. That's the philosophy of it. Um, and, I, and I did this for two years. I didn't even sell fucking one piece of merchandise or anything. Like, yeah. uh, it was just, let me take photos with everybody. And then I started selling merch and it was like, oh wow, okay, well, if I say, hey, I'm gonna take a photo with everybody like I always do, but if you buy a piece of my merch, then, then you go first in the oh, line. Why didn't I fucking think of that? You know, it's like, hey, I'm going to take some photo with every single one. But if you buy one of my pieces of merchandise, you go first. I have a merch line and then a photos only line. Then you've got all these people who are like, yeah, man, I want to get a photo with them. You know, and I don't really fucking care about buying a Steve-O t-shirt, but fuck it. I don't want to wait. I'll just buy the shirt. Yeah. <laughs> you end up selling a ton of merch. I'll be doing that this weekend in <laughs> Baltimore. 
you end up selling a ton of merchandise, and uh, and at the end of the day, the people in the photo, the people who are just photos only line, it's like a neg- negligible. You know, it's negligible the amount of people who will actually stick around to be last and just get a photo. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, you come across like this great nice guy who's just gonna like absolutely not go anywhere until he gets a photo with every last person. But it's it's kind of the same as saying, hey, you know, buy something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is funny. But um, so, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I appreciate your kind words a lot. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I work my fucking ass off to do a good show. Um, I, I really I really give a fuck about it. And, and uh, you know, it's, I, I have a built in audience, which is which gives me an advantage. And uh, and I've, I've lived a fucking crazy life. So I've got like, uh, you know, no shortage of, uh, of material that's salacious and, and fucked up and juicy. And, and so I'm able to keep it interesting. And, and I'm just so grateful to be in the position that I'm in that uh, I'll be damned if I'm ever going to like uh, go out of my way to be difficult or, or anything. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I even the, the water on my rider, I don't even fucking need it anymore. I should tell them to stop. And, you know, I'll, I'll, like, I, have, I have a trick I do, which requires like a six foot table. You know that that's on my rider. Other than that, nothing. Jesus Christ! Now what? Now uh, I, w- I definitely want to talk about the Jackass stuff. Wild sure, Boys is one of my favorite shows. But I'm still I, I'm kind of uh, I heard you on Marin, uh-huh. and it was uh, and it was it was a really interesting interview. Do you now when you did your special your Showtime special I watched, which was if anyone hasn't seen it, fucking impressive. I think you get choked out in the first <laughs> five minutes, five minutes yeah. by Tim Kennedy. Uh-huh. By, I trained with Tim Kennedy. Oh, cool, man. Out in New Mexico, I have one of his shirts, and you know, you, I, you know, you know Tim. I, I only met him. You know, he's uh, a sniper, I, when right? I, when I went down, yeah, fucking. He's sni- like the, one of the <laughs> sniper like, army um, ranger. Yeah, like, and and he's most notable for. Uh, for, for just calling out ISIS, where he like yeah. he you know, like he, cowards, pussies, and you know like, and he talked enough shit on ISIS that they they singled him out as an individual, you know, for as a target, and that <laughs> that, that made him you know they, they got him all kinds of press. So then he's on like you know all the news stations. They're saying well, you're a maniac, you know. Now they're trying. They're, they've singled you out. They want to kill you. Yeah, Tim Kennedy. Yeah. He's like, yeah. He's like, oh, bring it on. Come on, you coward. Last guy. <laughs> last guy ISIS wants to fuck with. <laughs> last guy. Now, um, so now when you did that, do you are you taking the Bill Burr approach where you scrap that and you want to do another special? Do you want to do a different hour? Are you oh, comfortable touring? And fuck yeah, I don't. Do, I don't like like uh, as soon as I taped that, I went out and started just doing new material. You know, I would like. Uh, as soon as I taped it, I t- taped it in November of last year, and it didn't air until March of this year. Yeah. So I had however many months that is. And uh, right out of the gate, what I would do is I'd go out there and I would just, you know, uh, just jam on on new ideas and just tell like kind of different stories and you know, be like, oh, I want to talk about this, I want to talk about that. And I would just go out and do it, and it would go how it went. And I would know that I had the the stuff I did in the special, which is proven to work, to fall back on. So I would just kind of do half and half, and then gradually I just weaned away, like the the old the old stuff that I did on the special. So that by the time it came out, I had like a bona fide new show, which nice. is great. And um, 
you know, I, I kick myself because fuck the the, the 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 new show I'm doing now. I genuinely think is way better than. The well, that's how it works. That's, yeah. don't, that's, don't, <laughs> I just did my Showtime special. It airs on the 11th of November. I'll air oh, this man. the week of oh, election nice. week. Um, but uh, it airs on the 11th of November and at 10 p.m. on Showtime, and uh, and already the new hour I'm working on. I'm like, I'm almost embarrassed of that hour. Right. I, 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 it's exactly how I feel, you know? Now, do you look at that hour? I mean, I think your stunts are fantastic. I'm more a story guy. I like stories. Uh, like, I'm... I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm thrilled with how my Showtime special came out. I, oh, no, I, really I loved am. it. I loved it. I'm saying, like, do you look at your new hour, and do you look to do new stunts and new stories? Or are you focusing more on stories? Uh, do you feel like you let the fans down if you don't do something with fire or get something, like, bring some animal out? I, I, uh... <laughs> It's weird. Like, I, I think that um, my philosophy is uh, is that if I can do more, if I can bring more to the stage, if I can make it, like, uh, do extra stuff, like, the, like everything in my power that I can do to make it the best show possible, that's what I want to do. Well, that's the thing. So, See, as comics, we put such handcuffs on ourselves to do what you can do at the store. Or at the Laugh Factory or at the Improv. Mm-hmm. And so you end up doing something very similar. And this past week I was doing this bit and I was like, I've never done a music cue. I just have always thought them to be cheesy or hacky. Uh-huh. And then I was like, fuck it. I want a music cue. Like, and then I was like, fuck it. Why am I not bringing pictures up on stage? Why don't I have a right. projector on stage? Why am I? What am I doing? <clears throat> like, why not take it to the, try the next level? Try something right. different. It's so crazy because they say that because... Um what I'm thinking about for my next special, which, which I really want to do sooner than later, um, I, I really, I really do. And, and like the, the the stories that I'm telling, like in my, my my new hour, yeah, it occurred. It occurs to me, like like that there that I'm telling stories for which there is like full video documentation, and I could like why not incorporate that in for my spend and I own. Uh, you know, I, I own like all the, the old footage from, you know, from like, uh, like uh, all these crazy stories in the first half. And then it goes into the second half where like some of it's jackass. And, and, um, so, you know, there's a story from the Charlie Sheen roast that, you know, with, with Mike Tyson, Tyson, fucking epic. And, uh, and, you know, and so if I were to do a comedy special for comedy central, then through Viacom, they would get like half the footage, and I own half the footage, and I could edit it together. I think it would be fucking. I think cool. I'll tell you right now, if you're if we're talking about an interactive show, and I'll tell you I, these are the things I want to hear. So if you have a story, I would like to hear it. But this the one of the most engaging pieces of video of the 21st century, no question, or I guess 22nd century, no questions asked, is you uh, throwing up that goldfish. <laughs> There is no, I'm telling you, I've never been more riveted. The ending of Lost didn't have me as engaged as you swallowing, throwing up. And, and but, but, there, but there was an arc to it. There was an arc of oh, confidence. Sure. And then you were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> right. I, it's, it's, it's crazy, man, that, that you say that. Like the, the, I, That was an idea, the goldfish, that I was sitting on for... At least two years. And back so it's just an idea. It's just an idea. Right. Back then, two years was a long fucking time, man, too. Like, it's crazy how time like uh, becomes meaningless the, the more that passes. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, I, I, have, I love that this is just an idea. I, I have a yeah, visual I, of you in an apartment with eight other dudes in San Diego getting up, 
pad and pen and go, I had an idea last night. <laughs> right. And drawing it out. But it wasn't that. It was me by myself in uh, this old lady's fucking house where I rented a, a single bedroom. And I was like, man, you know, my life sucks. And I want to fucking, like, uh, really break out. And I'm like, this is, this, uh, this is the one. This is going to be my card. It was my card on my sleeve. And I had so much confidence in it. I was like, man, I'm going to fucking swallow goldfish. I'm going to barf it up into a bowl. And... Uh, <clears throat> And 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 it said that's gonna be it. That's gonna. I just had so much confidence in it, <clears throat> and I was waiting for the right opportunity to do it. And of course, you know, Jackass was really was, and that was the first. Is, was this day. them doing Big Brother, or was this Jackass? This was Jackass. This was when this was um, uh, after the pilot got ordered the very first day that, uh, and I was still working in the circus as a clown. And, uh, you know, my, it was my, my last day in the, the circus was my first day of filming Jackass. Knoxville and all these guys came and actually filmed me in the circus. And you met them through sending in tapes? Well, not sending in tapes as much as tracking them down on a Big Brother skateboard tour. You know? Really? They, they made this, they made this uh, skateboard magazine. And, uh, I mean, fuck, I, I love the history of it so much that, that uh, I'll, I'll just tell you real quick. There was a guy... Who uh, his name was Steve Rocco in the in the nineties, early nineties. You know, oh fuck, man, back in the eighties. You know, he 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 basically was like uh, he had the the first like real true conglomeration of skateboard companies. He completely dominated the skateboard industry. He made the first like uh, skateboard video where it was like. Like really fucked up shit, you know, because up until that that point in the in the eighties, all the money that came into the skateboard industry came from uh, from mothers buying shit for their kids, you know. Yeah. And so, like, in order to get the money from the mothers, you kind of had to like cater to the approval of the mothers. And so, skateboarding videos up to that point were really careful not to be like offensive. Like even the the the, the slam section where the people the the part of the video where the people fall off the yeah. they were. They were careful to make it not too violent, and they had like little, like sort of sound effects, like Doop, oops, you know, yeah. make it look kind of cute with people falling off the skateboard because they didn't want to scare away the mothers. But Steve Rocco came along in the '80s, and he was like, "You know what? Fuck it, man. I'm so like, it's so stupid to fucking pretend that we're not like skateboarders are, are, are criminals. We're fucking we're vandals. We're fucking we you know we're we're daredevils. We're like we're gnarly. We're gnarly." And so he made the and the first video that uh, that Steve Rocco made. Um, I mean, it was just fucking fucked up, and they had like they they, they just they put a lot of like great shit in there, and and it was, that video was it was called Rubbish Heap, and it was Spike Jones's first video project. Spike Jones wasn't even a video editor; he was a photographer for, for World for World Industries, which was Steve Rocco's company, this conglomeration of companies, World Industries, and Steve uh, uh, Spike Jones was their photographer. They didn't have anybody to edit this video, and Steve Rocco demanded that it be a fuck up video yeah. you know to like to, to 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 fucking shock and abhor mothers fuck them you know we're gonna take pride in what are and in, in what we are and so spike jones got delegated by default like the the task of edit, editing together this 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 video and and of course spike jones went on to become a you know obviously spike jones so he's had an interesting career by himself right and just now, a bizarre now, in order, so this was Steve Rocco's mentality: like fuck, fuck everyone, I don't care. 
And and uh, he would promote World Industries, you know, in the in the skateboard magazines, Thrasher and uh, and, and Trans World Skateboarding. These two magazines were were the the media. So he sends this fucking ad in to Thrasher and Trans World. It's it's a little kid with a gun in his mouth, and it says World Industries. Kill yourself. Just a photo of a kid with a gun in his mouth. Yeah. And, and uh, both Thrasher and Transworld sent back his ad. They said, "Dude, we can't. Run, we're not running this fucking ad. You know, this is fucked up. You can't. Yeah. We can't have a fucking. It says kill yourself with a kid holding a gun in his mouth. <laughs> and and and, uh, and so they sent him back his ad. They refused to run it. One of them also said, uh, "Hey, man, I'm like particularly offended. The guy running one of these magazines says, you know, this really upset me because when, when I was in high school, one of my." Uh, Best friends killed himself. So Steve Rocco says to that guy, he says, hey, man, do me a favor. Why don't you uh, make a, a list of every little thing that ever upset you so I can model the way I run my business after your little fucking sensibilities. He says, fuck you. Fuck Thrasher. Fuck Trans World. I'm, how about this? I'm not going to run ads in your magazine, period, ever. Fuck you. Yeah. I'm going to start my own magazine. And that was how Big Brother started. It was simply for Steve Rocco. Really? Yeah, Steve Rocco just said fuck everybody and he started Big Brother magazine. Really, like not even to to be a skateboard magazine as much as to just simply be a forum for fucking filth that would never be allowed in the pages of Thrasher or Transfer. So this is how Big Brother started. And and boy did they do fucked up shit. They Big Brother came out and I loved it, man. I loved this magazine so much. This was like I was so passionate about it. They had like uh you know, on the cover, you've got like the they they literally put a stack of Bibles and set it on fire, and and had like a had a skateboarder dressed up as a devil, like do a jump over a stack of burning Bibles. They had crucified they crucified fucking skaters on on uh, shit. They like they 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 had just even on the cover like nudity. And so you found Big Brother before the jackass. Oh, big time! I loved okay. I loved Big Brother. I loved it so much. They had articles, the ten most efficient ways to kill yourself, and it was like and they didn't and they they when they weren't dumb and they had journalistic integrity when they wrote the article on how to best kill yourself. They fucking really did their research. You know? Knoxville was Knoxville. For those of you who don't know, I parted with Knoxville in '97. Uh huh. Um, sure, that and he was, was working for Big, big Brother. Brother, right? And, and he way, was telling me all about what he did at Big Brother, and I was just like, well, I remember sitting in my kitchen going, right. the fuck, you're going to shoot yourself with a, uh-huh. with a crossbow? He, yeah, he did that in like 95. Yeah. And uh, what, what happened was um, Steve Rocco ran the magazine. It was just so fucking great. How to buy crack, like how to make fake IDs. It's all the worst shit you could fucking do for for kids. And and the, the, the different issues had like uh, whatever, like um, themes and stuff. And so it, – at one point, they put out the kids issue. It was the theme was the kids issue. And they have like they're interviewing like kids, uh, and they're saying like, "Would you fuck your mom if you you know like uh, if that would make you a, a pro skateboarder?" Yeah. Like there's all this inappropriate shit, and there was a big like a uh, media shit storm over it. And 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 the, in in all the mainstream coverage of the wow, the skateboarding magazine is doing all this inappropriate stuff. Larry Flint found out about it. You know, the pornographer Larry Flint, yeah. he loved it. So he bought Big Brother magazine from Steve Rocco. And uh and, and he just he was pu- publishing like 20 some porno magazines and one skateboard magazine for kids. And um now like uh the, the way Knoxville came into the picture, he was uh <clears throat> Like, 
had uh, his story was like the bad company song shooting star, you know, like he graduated from high school. He's 18 years old. He tells his mom, mom, I'm going to go away. I'm going to be a big star someday. He moves out to L.A. to become an actor. And, you know, from the time he was 18 to where he was pushing 30, he had like, you know, gotten some uh, television commercials and stuff, but not like really the success that he wanted. That's where I met him. We were were shooting. We were shooting. An ESPN commercial. He right. was shooting an ESPN commercial, and I was the number one party animal in the country. Uh-huh. And he came to party with me for a weekend. That's awesome. him and another guy. I wish I could remember the other guy's name. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and he he was getting by, but he really wanted to. He was sick of waiting to be discovered, so he was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna wait for someone to discover me. I'm gonna force motherfuckers to discover me. So he came up with this plan for. Um, to, and, and he he just canvassed the entire like uh, world of media like like uh, Leno Letterman you know Howard Stern like every every fucking media outlet in the world he said hey I want to do a, a a thing if it's for like um, however whatever media he would, he would accommodate I'm going to do a, a product review of self self defense equipment I'm going to evaluate the effectiveness of self defense equipment yeah. I'm going to start. By spraying myself with red pepper spray, uh, I'm going to get stunned with a 120,000 volt stun gun. I'm going to uh, get shot with the taser with the barbs and the wires. And then I'm going to put on a bulletproof vest and I'm going to shoot myself with a, a 38 caliber Smith & Wesson handgun. And uh, he says, all I need is uh, the bulletproof vest because it costs like 5000 bucks, you know, yeah. but I'll do this for it. And everybody in the world turned him down except for Big Brother magazine. You know, it was Jeff Tremaine from Big Brother. Jeff Tremaine uh, was the editor in chief. Uh, of course, he went on to become the creator and director of Jackass. Jeff Tremaine told uh, Knoxville, he said, I've got your uh, I've got your. Uh, your bulletproof vest. Big Brother's the only magazine. I think this is the only way that he found out about Big Brother. It's the only media outlet that would accept this fucked up offer because that's what Big Brother's all about. Yeah. And so Jeff Tremaine bought Knoxville the the bulletproof vest. He said, "Make sure you go ahead and videotape that." You know, and um, and, and that was how, how Knoxville came to be a part of Big Brother. You know, they just hit it off right away. You know, and then Knoxville filmed it, and then next thing you know, he's like, "Oh, next thing you know, I want, I want to ride a bull," and he gets in the bull ring, and this yeah. is all. That was so great about Big Brother is that they, they didn't have to have anything to do with skateboarding. The skateboarding was such a thin veil. So they got Knoxville. I saw Knoxville in the first Big Brother that he was in. I was just like, "Oh my god, I love this guy." And and I was living in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and and they Big Brother came through Albuquerque with a team of pro skateboarders, and I just tracked them down and and uh, at the skate how old are you at this time at that time i would have been 23 i think okay and uh so what are you are you 40 i'm 42 okay right yeah and and i just told him i was like i I said i I love big brother and and i'm gonna be in your magazine whether you like it whether you like me or not i don't care but and i wound up like uh you know burning skin off half my face that night and uh you know yeah my stun went kind of (laughs) wrong And uh, yeah, I was hospitalized. I fucking had like the second degree burns over like half my face, and uh, and I got my article in the magazine, and uh, and I became a part of the family at that point too. Of Big Brother. Of Big Brother. Now, were you skating this time? I always skated, but I just but my my emphasis was on you know, on uh, the stuff that wasn't skating. Because when you got sober, you started really skating a lot. Yeah, for I a skated, period of time. started skating more. Yeah, yeah. I, I've I've gone through phases of skating a lot and not skating a lot. I haven't gotten on my skateboards since I fell. <laughs> I felt really fucking hard. Right. You know those inflatable. You ever see on Facebook they have those inflatable couches where you open it up and you fill it with air and then close it and then you can lay on it. I don't know what that means. <laughs> There's these fucking wind socks that you fill with air and then tie. Okay. And then it turns into a couch. It's inflated with air. 
Okay. And I couldn't get it. So I got on my skateboard to fill it. So I'd skate down the street ah. and try to fill it. And I was not paying attention. Now and I had my I, feet too back. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I digress. So so you became a part of the Big so Brother. I became a part of the thing. And then and, and they made these videos that, uh, you know, they, they were sort of ancillary. And, and they would show all the stuff that you had seen in the magazine and photos. But then when the videos came out, you could see the behind the scenes of it, you know, the actual footage. And it was great. And, and again, there, there was so much that wasn't skateboarding and it was just fucking awesome. So it, 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 it all became really popular. And, it, and at a certain point, Jeff Tremaine reached out to Spike Jones, who, who by now is a Hollywood uh, or a fucking Oscar nominated Hollywood movie director. Jeff Tremaine reaches out to Spike Jones and he says, dude, hey man, Spike, everybody f- loves our Big Brother videos so much, but I don't think anybody gives a crap about the skateboard. And were there Big Brother videos? Johnny and I sat in a in a trailer eating pills and smoking weed, and I'm sure Knoxville was just eating pills but not smoking weed. I don't remember. There was another guy with us. I don't remember the other guy's right. fucking name. Uh-huh. I wish I did. Mm-hmm. But we were watching a video of guys trying to break a bottle over their head. Did you ever see that? Sure. Video? Yeah, the old whiskey videos. Yeah. 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 And it was I was howling fucking. <laughs> la- I mean, you got to remember, I am. Sh- you're from right. Florida, right? Uh huh. I am the other side of Florida, so I'm okay. like privileged frat boy, Florida. Well, death metal Tampa, right? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. And so, and so, I am howling, laughing, seeing this other fucking world. Sure. I remember Knoxville had a had a sock. You know the, the socks that had stripes. He had one of those around his wrist, right. and it was like just this other world. Uh-huh. And I'm I'm in there, and I'm fucking going like I'm and I'm about to get into comedy. I'm about to get into entertainment, and this is my one foray, and this is the one guy I meet, and I'm looking at him, and he's howling, laughing. He's like, they're never going to, they can't break it. He can't fucking break it. And I, and I. You can't be a nice guy about that. You know, when it comes to breaking a beer bottle, you cannot be nice. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, It's infinitely worse if it doesn't break. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you do, like, if you really do overkill and really follow through. That's the best way to do it. I took that. We did a – I ended up getting hired to host some spring break thing in Cancun, I'd say, the year after that. And uh, I was up on a stage, and they wanted me to make it interactive. And I said, easy. Give me a $100 bill. And I put it inside a beer bottle. And I said, anyone who can break this bottle over their head gets the $100 bill. Wow. And dudes were – I mean – It is so hard to do that to yourself. It is so hard to break a beer bottle over over your own head. is particularly difficult. And it was – delegate. Dude, you're talking (laughs) droves of people going, watching meatheads just, go! (laughs) It was really – That's fucking fun. Funny, One of my man. first hosting moments ever in life, and so so uh, I keep fucking. I'm a horrible interviewer because I don't worry I, about it, man. It's great. Like uh, it was simple, man. Jeff Tremaine reached out to Spike. He said everybody loves Big Brother videos, but nobody gives a fuck about the skateboarding. Let's take out. He says I think if we subtract the skateboarding, what's left over would be a great TV show. And it was that simple, man. They just edited together of uh, all the Big Brother footage with no skateboarding, and what it had it was me in Knoxville, and so you were in the pilot. Yeah, I was in the pilot. I was in everything, yeah. Uh-huh. What, no, what was the pilot? All I remember is someone sitting in a car and the car driving into a jump and the person hitting the fucking mound of dirt. Right, That's all right. I remember from the pilot. I mean, it, it was before the pilot. They made like a 10-minute long reel. It kind of like a South Park sort of started. You know, they made a t- like a 10-minute VHS tape yeah. and passed it around. And that was enough to get MTV, uh, you know. It was initially b- between... Comedy Central and MTV, and MTV got it. And um, the pilot, um, I was I say I had gone off to clown college, you know, on another thing, and I was working on uh, on cruise ships as a clown. 
Um, By the way, Clown College is esteemed. Like yeah, for people not, it's, not it's who don't deal. know, it's right. really hard to get in because I grew up in Florida. Right. It's Ringling Brothers uh-huh. in Orlando. It, it was in Sarasota. Sarasota. Right. It's really hard to get into. Yeah, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And and I was working as a, a clown on cruise ships. Of course, I you know, I lost that job. But uh, <laughs> I could imagine that, that, <laughs> that job was a fickle position. <laughs> you could not. Right. And and after uh, and and, I, and 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 this was after I had uh, you know it was before I even went to clown college that I hooked up with Big Brother, and um and and, and uh, you know I was I was really a part of the family and I, and and when I lost the job on cruise ships I called up Jeff Tremaine and I was like Jeff I've been walking around I've been I've been walking on stilts on cruise ships for ages and, and frankly I'm fucking terrified every time I'm doing it of, like if I fall over. So I have to fall over. I've decided I'm going to fall over. I'm going to uh, – and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to have my stilt costume. And this is my plan for, for, for when it became year 2000. On December 31st, 1999, this was my plan. I said I'm coming out to California. I'm going to get on my stilts. I'm going to have my stilt costume. I'm going to light it on fire. I'm going to uh, – <clears throat> so my stilt costume will be in flames. I'm going to have a unicyclist ride a unicycle through my stilts, uh, through all the fire. I'm going to have a skateboarder jump off the roof of a house over my head. And while he passes over my head, I'm going to be blowing a fireball out of my mouth. So the skateboarder will be going through the fireball over my head. And then the skateboarder is going to land on a ramp and ride away. The unicyclist will ride through the stilts. And then once those guys ride away, then I'm going to crack open a beer. I'm going to uh, pound it while I tip myself over. And, of course, I'll be all kinds of on fire the whole time. And then once I slam on the ground, you know, once my body hits the, the concrete on the yeah. ground, then uh, I'll ask you to kindly, you know, put me out <laughs> with the fire Holy extinguisher. fuck. And um, – and 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 Jeff Tremaine waited until I uh, until I flew myself out there. I had co- I had still costumes made special. I, I got all the fucking gear. I flew my. I found a fucking unicyclist who could work on uh, on the ho- during the holiday. We didn't do it. The, we did it December thirtieth of nineteen ninety nine. Uh, you know Knoxville and Tremaine. They, they all came down. And and Tremaine waited until I got out there to tell me that it wasn't just for fucking Big Brother for a skate video. He waited until I got out there. He said, uh, "Hey man, um, we're we're doing this for a pilot for MTV." And uh, and he's and I guess like the the initiative I took. I mean, I was already kind of part of the family. But. Yeah, but your initiative is is like <laughs> like you've got something that you know. Sometimes I think it gets overlooked, but like uh, there's a humility to you, and there's also like a like a. Hey, I'm not embarrassed to say I want something. Well, I appreciate that a lot, man. You know, uh, and and uh, and and it worked. It worked well because uh, I think that that if if there were any doubts that I would have been part of the cast of Jackass, the, you know, there were no doubts after that. Once I yeah. once I went to those lengths to get out there, and um, it was just we didn't know what was going on, man. We didn't really understand release forms. We didn't know that you know they they certainly didn't know that that uh, the MTV had a really ups, uh, a bad history with fire. You know, oh, yeah. like so, so the, the 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 stilts not with the fire, it didn't really make it anywhere because that, because MTV had like big big issues with fire. For they had lost their ass in a lawsuit for Beavis and Butthead. Like uh, Beavis would click a lighter and go fire fire, and then there was a trailer park fire and they got sued really badly. Holy shit. They had some other incident with fire, so that would never work. But that that was what I did for the pilot, and uh, then and then. Um, I spent all the money I'd saved up on cruise ships, basically on that mission, and bought a used car. Came back and, and I joined this flea market circus in Florida, and um, then uh, you know they came out for the 
for the uh, to film me in the circus. The, the circus owners in this flea market said, what are these assholes doing filming our elephants? And uh, they were pissed. I said, they, gee, they're not going to fucking let you see them, you know? Like, yeah. But they, 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 they fired me from the circus. And uh, when I washed off my makeup that last time, here, the, the, used, fucking, the used car I had bought, you know, Jeff, we, we, we were going down to Miami to start filming. I got five days to shoot my whole, like, my whole first season, everything for the first season of Jackets. I'm going to shoot in five days. Really? And, uh, yeah. We, 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 so hold on. This first season, you were not living in L.A. with everybody? No. God, no. I was in Florida. I was living in Florida. Living then, with you? Are your, your parents are out of Miami? Um, I, I was living. Yeah, I, I was living at, at my mom's house at that time. Yeah, and um, so, uh, so so we're at the flea market circus. I just washed off my clown makeup. And Jeff Tremaine gets in my used car with me, and as the fucking car, as we drive, we pull out of the parking lot. We're not even out of the parking lot. The fucking thing dies. And I'm like, no, this is, they're going to ditch me. They're just going to fucking go without me. I'm like, yeah. no, this is my shot. And like what, what happened was uh, we fucking literally got behind my car. We pushed it to the side of the road. We're fucking we're stranded on the side of the road. And I'm thinking, oh, no, this is the worst. I'm blowing it. I'm blowing it so bad. And uh, the, the, the line producer guy says, he sends a PA, he says, he says, go to the pet store, go get the goldfish. You know, we're just going to shoot right here. You know, if I could, like, we're going to, and I'm thinking, no, this is terrible. Like, uh, this is terrible. I'm not prepared. The way that I had pictured the goldfish idea, which I was holding onto for like fucking two years, was that I was going to spend like, the, like a, a good amount of time, like hunkered down and just drink like a fucking, try and drink a whole like gallon of water so that my stomach, like it's sorry to create a safe environment for the goldfish in my stomach, and furthermore to uh, to, to be so bloated and having drank so much water that I would be able to puke like that in yeah. one one shot and have it be like a fire hose and have it come out like that. And so I was gonna plan. I was gonna I was gonna prepare and and, and drink like an, an obscene amount of water so that it, it happened in one shot, but 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 I didn't have the time to prepare. I didn't think we were doing it at that time. We were broken down on the side of the road while we're waiting for fucking AAA. They send the thing. They come back with the goldfish in like five minutes. Yeah, because that that had like a sidewalk feel to it. Yeah, that's because we were that's where we pushed the car to the fucking side of the road. It was such an <laughs> odd choice. It was one of those yeah. things where I was like, where it. But you know what? Oddly <laughs> enough, it added to the intrigue. Yeah, like, it was great. Where the fuck Fuck, was he, they and it, it was it was in like a uh, sketchy part of fucking Fort Lauderdale. So the, the, the like the the sketchy street dude comes on. We gave him the goldfish at the end of the bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, it worked great. And uh, and thank God it worked that way because had I prepared the way I intended to, it wouldn't have been as impactful. Like what you're talking about, the arc to it. There was I, a moment where you're go- looking my stom- at that. My stomach was totally fucking empty. I didn't have like uh, I, didn't, I, I wasn't puking easily. It took fucking two. And, and I'm thinking to myself. To while it was happening, because it was taking me forever to, to barf this 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 fish up. I mean, and, and they played it with with no edits. I'm thinking to myself, oh my god, this is going on forever. Fuck, I'm blowing it. I'm blowing it. What if it doesn't come out? Oh no, this is my shot. Yeah. This is the fucking. I'm playing the trump card that I've been saving for two years. Like, oh no. And then finally, after after like over two full minutes of just heaving and fucking barfing, the fish came out and it swam. And uh, and it was just this triumphant moment. And uh, I remember after we we finished the bit, Knoxville said, "Well, Steve O, if you if you weren't already famous, 
I'd say now you're gonna be. <laughs> you know? Good God! And I was like, that was uh, the that was my introduction to you. That moment. Uh huh. That, w- that was. I mean, my, that that one bit. Like, uh, it, it was the second episode of Jackass to air, and um, the the first one I really didn't. I had like a dumb little forgettable trick, and uh, and 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 it was it was the next day after that goldfish bit. The the fucking my life was just forever different, man. Like uh, yeah. fucking my life changed overnight, you know. And I was still living in Florida. Did you feel? Do you did you feel a, f- a fulfillment of the thing that I, that I always say? Like people who crave <laughs> attention. Did you feel a, f- a fulfillment of the emptiness at all? Um, like people coming up to you going. Hey, I, I can't imagine that people yeah. thought you were a, a stud when you were in clown college, and then all of a sudden you're on MTV. There was, there was certainly, uh, I, I, I reveled in it. I absolutely, I absolutely was just relishing every bit of attention. I, uh, I, I was, I was loving it so much, and um, and I was pretty careless with it too. Like, um, you know, I had a girl that that you know, because that's the other thing, man. That I got fired from the circus when, when uh, you know, I, I filmed for those five days. Over the course of those five days, I was bitten by a shark, which they weren't allowed to show, you know, yeah. on the, the one shark hugging bit. You know, I actually got bitten by a shark on my finger, and uh, my finger was pretty mangled, and I never even went to the hospital. I just bandaged it up, and uh, I was all just hung over and beaten up, and it was just a really intense five days. And then I came back to the circus, you know, to exactly the day when I said I would be back, and they they informed me that they didn't have it in their budget to keep me around anymore, and that I was out of a job. And so at that point, I, you know, I was unemployed. Now the money that I was making for that first season of Jackass. I had the pay scale. I got paid per bit, and if it was a, a genuinely life-threatening or whatever, like life and limb kind of dangerous stunt, yeah. then I, I was paid five hundred dollars. And if it was a more low-impact bit, I got paid two hundred dollars. You know, if it was like sort of a gag or, or, or a prank, you know, that wasn't really dangerous. So at the end of the five days, and I'm all <laughs> bagged up and shit, and I, and I pulled out a piece of paper to write down what I'm owed, and more importantly, what I expect to see on TV. I didn't want anything to slip through the cracks. Yeah. So I pulled on this piece of paper and I wrote down goldfish, and next to it, I wrote. I thought for a second, and I, for the, the goldfish trick, I wrote two hundred. <laughs> <laughs> because I wanted to be considered like like such a gnarly guy, I, I wanted to be considered like wow this this guy is so fucking gnarly. Even though I mean I could have choked on it, it could come up backwards and shred my throat. Yeah, like I, I wanted them to think like I was like that was, that was kind of funny. Two hundred, you know, like I yeah. had too much pride to charge five hundred for it. And uh, at the end of the day, when you know it was all put together. Uh, I, you know, after taxes, I made less than I think fifteen hundred bucks for that first season, and um, of course, I spent that right away when I got it. And so, by the time the fucking show came out, I was broke, like unemployed. You know, I still had, in Florida with your mom. Yeah, it was my mom had like had, she had had uh, suffered from a brain aneurysm, and so it was like my my sister and I lived in her house, and it was kind of a caregiving situation. My sister really was the caregiver. Um, and, uh, it was, um, my sister fucking kicked me out of the house. There was another bit during that first five days where from the circus, which had three elephants, I collected every piece of poo that came out of the elephants in like 50 gallon Tupperware containers and then loaded it up into a kiddie pool. And that was one of my bits. It was 
elephant poo diving, you know, I climbed up yeah. like a, I climbed up a 10 foot A-frame ladder and did like flips and jumps into like a big mountain of elephant poo, which was, uh, you know, in this kiddie pool at the side of my mom's house in South Florida. And now at the end of the, the elephant poo diving bit, the, the line producer who said, go get the goldfish, you know, on the first day. He says, he says, hey, we'll have our PAs clean up this poo. But, but, but I like, didn't want to be like, considered difficult to work with. I wanted to be like easy going. I, 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 I told them, I, I told the producer, I said, I, said, I said, nope, the poo stays there. Let's go. Let's go continue to film more footage. Jesus. I said, I'll clean, I'll clean it up when I get back. I'll come back and I'll clean it up. You know, so I left this fucking, I mean, it was, it was just hundreds of fucking pounds of elephant poo like, in a kiddie pool at the side of my mom's house. They offered to clean it up. I said, nope, I'll, I'll do that i wanted to like i'm a fucking you yeah. know and uh and so off we went and and you know we went came back days later now of course the, over the next few days it it torrentially fucking rained you know like south florida like, like tropical south fucking south florida like tropical fucking rain and uh not only was the the, the poo the elephant poo just flooded my mom's house, the neighbor's house. It was just like a fucking, like like a sewer fucking f- flood of poo. Yeah. And uh, my sister was not fucking pleased. When I came back, she was fucking raging, and uh, and I was dangling by a thread. And then, um, you know, I, I, I at one point. Uh, you know, I, I was just had a terrible cocaine problem at that time already. You already partying then? Oh yeah, I was. I, and when I was in the circus, I was always peeling off my nose to snort lines and stay really? awake through the weekend. I would do a weekend of like fucking, you know, however many nine shows or some shit, like without ever sleeping one time, you know, and um, and, and so you know, I, I promised I'd be there to be at home, but I was on a cocaine bender and I just disappeared. My sister kicked me out of the house. So when Jackass came on, I was. I was broke. I was unemployed. I was homeless. I was fucking, you know, like uh, when, when you know when I when I did get that the get the recognition and people were no way you're the goldfish guy. Yeah. Can I get a picture? I'd be like, can I sleep on your fucking sofa? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pretty much. Now I did have a girl that that I was living with at the time. You know, she she would let me sleep and, and by any measure, by any measure, she was my girlfriend. You know, I had, yeah. I had on, a fuck on paper. I had a fucking girlfriend, you know, like and and, and here like uh, once once the fucking show came out, like and all the opportunity came in, like I was just, you, you know, I mean, it, it just sucks. I was just like it was instantly not like uh, over her as much, but just like like, what are you kidding me? I, I don't you know, I just dusted her. Yeah, you know, in like a shitty way, and uh, and 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 I saw that happen really fucking quickly. Like people who deserved like respect, you know, like and 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 now that all of a sudden overnight I was in a position where uh, I I could kind of get whatever I want, like like the 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 respect the 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 shit that people deserve from me they didn't get, you know, yeah. fuck fuck them. I was just like. I, you know, I was I was too cool for for them. All of a sudden, you know. Did this point? Did you have t- plans to move to LA? I, I I 
I did, but I didn't. And uh, and what happened was with uh, within like um, two weeks. I mean, the first episode aired. Uh, the, the second one a week later. The third one a week after that. Within that that two weeks, uh, we we were automatically the the highest rated show in the history of MTV. And and I got a call from the same line producer. He says, "Hey, our show's a hit. MTV is going to order uh, seasons two and three. In oh, one wow. go. Season one was eight episodes. Season two and three would each be uh, eight episodes. So they're making an, an order of 16 episodes in one go. And I uh, said, we, we know that we're going to have to pay you. So we're going to give you 2000 bucks per episode. And, uh, and in my fucking head, I'm thinking to myself, 16 episodes times $2,000, that's – $32,000. I'm fucking rich. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, never mind like what, what the experience was for those Jersey Shore people. You know? Oh, yeah. I always you say know? my first TV show, I did the math wrong right. and I went, I'm a fucking millionaire. I was in the car with my buddy Eddie and we, we were like, hold on, hold on, hold on. 52 weeks a year, every week. Holy shit, I'm a fucking millionaire. And I was not even close. <laughs> so funny. And, and, and so, so uh, as, as it happened, like... Um, before the uh, no, in this just to put, clarify, in this first season was Bam in that yet? Mm-hmm. Bam and Ryan, Bam, and every, it was, everybody, yeah, everybody was in it. Okay, um, but we had never all met. Like uh, we, we, it was all like a hodgepodge together. The whole cast was never in the same place really? until we were filming the second season. And so in the second season, you got. You I, I never met Bam until we were filming the uh, the second season. Really, but but I had like developed like a real fucking jealousy for him. I remember watching his CKYGK video because he was already distributing his. He was so ahead of the game. I was like, he wait. was man. He, he you know I, I I know he's. I don't know if he's how he's doing right now. I yeah. I was I worked. Uh, with Ryan Dunn, I, have, I had a show. I have a show called Birth Conquer on Travel Channel, uh-huh. and uh, I've had it. I've been at that network for seven years, and so seven years ago, there I was auditioning for this Birth Conquer, and they brought in Ryan Dunn, and uh, immediately we hit it off. And it, he yeah. had two of his good friends with him, uh, and Bam came out, and uh, his friends had watched my audition because it was about riding a roller coaster. His friends had watched my audition. And I guess they came back and they're like, dude, this guy is so funny. You're going to fucking love him. And then Ryan just came up to me. He's like, hey, what did you do? And not in like a, how can I book this? He's like, what did you do? And I said, I made some joke about this black chick and this blind guy. And he's like, my friends think you're the funniest fucking guy in the world. And we hung out that day. And I literally, I, and I'd been a fan of his. He had this weird energy, like this weird, uh-huh. different energy that I dug. But, uh, and, and I, and. And but that group, I really, I always thought, fucking Bam would have done done something with media, no matter what fucking happened. Oh, for sure. And he was so far ahead of the game, man. He was distributing his own videos. I was looking for like a legit project to be, be to be a part of, to lend my services to. Bam was way ahead in, in thinking. He's like the, the, he was his own legit project. So he he was distributing these videos. I remember. The first season had begun to air. I was at my buddy's house. Uh, of course, I was not. I was at my buddy's house because, uh, you know, I was sleeping on his fucking sofa. Yeah. And uh, he, um, 
my buddy's banging this chick in the living room, videotaping himself banging her. I'm and we both fucking had taken liquid acid. We're tripping our fucking faces off. I'm watching CKY2K Bam's video in uh, the, the guy's living room. I see Bam jump off a fucking uh, a six floor balcony railing. Like 60 feet into a fucking uh, swimming pool. And I was just so blown away by that. Because my thing is jumping off shit. And I'm like, damn, that's fucking crazy. And I was just so jealous. So I came up with the idea. I said, you know what? This is it. This is it. I'm fucking putting on my fucking stilts. Because I was in the, working in the, the circus. You know, I, had my, from, I walked stilts in the circus. And on the ships, and I had my fucking stilts. I said, I'm going to put on my fucking stilts. I'm going to put on these fucking stilt pants. And I'm going to go to the fucking bridge over there. I'm going to put them on the bridge. I'm going to walk on the bridge. And I'm going to throw myself over the fucking railing. You know, like, uh, so like I'm going to just throw myself over the railing. I'm going to go over the railing. And that's going to make me, of course, spin over. Yeah. And I'm going to fucking land in the water beneath the bridge. And this is an idea, another idea I was fucking sitting on. Another yeah. idea I had on my sleeve. And originally I, was, I wanted to have Hank, I wanted to be on wooden stilts, peg stilts. I have Hank the Angry Drunken Dwarf from the Howard Stern Show yeah. fucking chase me on the bridge with a fucking chainsaw and then fucking buzz the chainsaw through one of my wooden stilts so then that would make me fall over and then I would go over the bridge. Yeah. But, but I was like, fuck it, you know? I'm just going to throw myself over with, with uh, uh, drywall stilts, the Duro stilts, you know? Yeah. Uh, as high as they go. And um, I was on liquid acid. I just went in the fucking you know, liquid acid. I go into my buddy's room. I say, hey, stop, stop. Your porno's over. We're going to the bridge. <laughs> and I was so jealous. And that was what made me do it, that, that one thing. But then um, we started filming the, the second. Uh, so what was your, okay, real quick. Uh, what, what was your impression of everyone right when you met them? Like, I, I, I was just impressed as could be. Like, uh, I, no, I mean, like, like Knoxville. Did you, did you have like a... Um, I don't know. I don't know if this is the right phrase, but did you have like a? Did you always look at him as like as like a boss or a friend or like a father figure? Fucking hero. A hero, yeah. A hero for sure. Yeah, Knoxville was was uh, he was he he had even before he was like widely known. I mean, he had just all of that star quality, and and the the stunts he would do were just like you know. A, a, on another level, in my opinion, you know? yeah. because I brought a skill set which gave me an advantage for the most part in what I was doing. You, you, were, know? you were trained. I was, I was I was taking advantage of a skill set that I had developed. Knoxville was just throw, throwing the fucking dice in the air, you know. He when he pulled that fucking taser thing uh-huh. out of his skin, Knoxville's commitment was insane. Um, so, what, so real quick, let me run through. So, like, you get Knoxville, uh, Preston. I'd imagine Preston would be someone everyone could become friends with very quickly. Preston, yeah, he's 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 a sweet guy, man. Like, uh, and, and guy, he's got an anger, uh, 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 sort of a temper on him. Really? Yeah, but but yeah, no, everybody could get can get along. With Who did you connect with immediately, right when you all first met? Uh Probably Preston the most because Preston was like, "Hey man, like uh, he either asked if I had any weed or I asked him if he wanted to smoke." And, and yeah. so we probably the first guy that I got stoned with. Um, I was the, the, the tougher guy to get along with. I think everybody was sort of overwhelmed by me because I was just like, just so much like energy and and, and uh, just so over just overwhelming and, and overbearing. Yeah, you know, even when the cameras weren't off, it was like, hey, dude, we're not filming right now. Fucking mellow out. And I just didn't know how to mellow out. 
But uh, but yeah, and 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 so I didn't have a plan to move out to L.A. as much. But I, but I knew that I like I I mean I kind of did when when I got uh, it was thirty two thousand for the for seasons two and three, and I got paid half of it up front. Which uh, which was crazy for MTV, but but we had filmed a bunch already, and and so half the money came up front, and after ta- after taxes that came to ten thousand. So I got a, a lump payment of ten thousand dollars, and I called up Jeff Tremaine, the director, and I said, uh, Hey man, um, I'm just uh, letting you know that I'm going to get this ten thousand dollars, and I've never even fucking heard of ten thousand dollars. I don't even not, like. Yeah. I said when I get it, I'm going to put it in the bank, and before those fucking checks even clear. I'm going to be in the fucking car. I'm going to be driving out to L.A. That's coming to me about to L.A., you know. And and Tremaine said, you're not doing anything of the sort uh, until you send me an idea for every li- every state between Florida and California. Oh, send me Jesus an idea for Christ. what you're going to do for Jackass for, you know, Florida, you know, Alabama, you know, Louisiana. Fucking Texas, every that's why state. he's the boss. And he said, send me an idea for every single fucking state. And if you send me a fucking idea, if you have an idea for every state, then I'll send out a fucking production crew and and, uh, and, and they'll, they'll follow you across country. And so that's what, that's what we did, you know. Um, I, I remember for Alabama... I was like, I want to go to a fucking black fraternity house on a college campus in the deep south and I want to just bang on their door unannounced and tell them that uh, I'm very impressed by their uh, their branding. You know how they have these fucking crazy – Yes, brands? dude. And I said, uh, I said my idea would be to pitch to, to ask them. I said, you know, I, I wouldn't want to get you know, out of respect for your for your fraternity. I would not want to have you brand your fraternity logo on me. But since you guys are like uh, into branding, what I want you to do is uh, brand um, a heart over my heart as a symbol to show that love hurts. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I want to get these black fraternity guys to brand me. And then the idea came back. They're like, oh, well, you know, they're really sticklers. Like, that's not a professional environment. So they found a, uh, like a tattoo shop where they would do branding. And that could be considered like a, in a professional environment. And so, you know, we went to fucking Alabama and went to this tattoo shop. Oh, because these also have to run up the chain of MTV. Right. I never even thought had, Yeah, the ideas had to get approved before we could shoot them. So I got branded. I got a fucking, uh, you know, you can see the fucking heart. Oh, yeah. Got, Holy and, shit. And uh, and that was, one of the, that was one of the very few things that didn't, um, that didn't air. We got permission to shoot it, but then when they submitted the the video, uh, they, they they came back and they said, "Ah, oh, you know, we said you could brand Steva, but we never said anything about airing footage of sizzling, smoking flesh." <laughs> it's like, what the fuck do you think branding is? Yeah, they're like, "No, that's too graphic. That's uh, you can see the skin sizzling and smoking." Motherfucker! And so I got branded kind of for nothing. Um, but yeah, I filmed every every. So by the time you get out there, you've almost shot. All your segments for season two and three, practically. Um, yeah, I, I got I got ahead of the game. <laughs> I, I I definitely got uh, I got a lot in the can, and and I got a lot of good stuff. Um, and and then and then out there I was out there, you know, I was out there. And there's another thing that happened too, like, uh, and, and it's so funny because here we are, like, uh, you know, we know we're, we're the fucking hottest shit on MTV, you know, and yeah. like, uh, remember it was while we were it was like before I left for for LA, and I was in, um, you know, my first cell phone, and you know, and like the phone rang, and it was this guy from Cleveland saying, hey, he was a shady rave promoter from Cleveland, Ohio. And he says, hey, man, I know, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I got your number from from Wee Man's ex-wife or something. And, you know, they gave me your number. Like, uh, he says, 
uh, I'm throwing a party on January 25th, and uh, and I want to fly you out there. You know, I'll fly you in the day of the party, and I'll get you out the next morning. You won't even be gone for 24 hours, and I just want you to be at this party. He says, I'll, he says I'm offering you $700. You know, we're like the fucking biggest stars on MTV, right? And he's yeah. going to have some shitty rave in Cleveland. He's going to fly us out there and pay us 700 bucks. My response to him was, dude, 700 bucks? Don't just... Give me seven hundred bucks. I'll light myself on fire. I will chew. I told him. Right. I told him. I will chew and swallow glass. You know. <laughs> Don't fucking just give it to me. Let me fucking earn it. You know. Yeah. And so. Uh, so this guy's just like like probably covering the phone, and so I don't hear him laughing at me. You know. And he flew out. He got me and Wee Man and Bam all for the same price. We showed up to this rave, you know, that night I gave Bam his first uh, ecstasy pill. I had two ecstasy pills. Bam only wanted to take half. I took a one and a half. Bam's like, I can't believe you took one and a half. (laughs) And I did fucking coke and speed and I don't know if like uh, whatever else I was like, you know, can't believe I even went to sleep that night. But I know I I went, I, I humped this fat chick underneath the rave promoter guy's dining room table, his dining room table in his apartment. I wound up falling asleep at some point. I know because he woke me up under the table and he says, uh, hey, dude, your flight departs in one hour. Do you want to even try it? And, uh, and I was like, uh, oh, fuck, man. Like, no, nah, fucking screw it. You know, and so, yeah. so, so I slept. And then I woke up and now it's dark and it's night. And then I'm at this fucking, I'm the one guy who stayed. Bam and Wee Man both left. Yeah. So I'm with this shady rave promoter guy, Nick Dunlap. and uh, I like that you just named him. <laughs> He's great. He's yeah. great. And and, um, and so then, uh, so we went to, to go walk to dinner. And from his apartment to the restaurant, we were walking over a bridge over the Cleveland Cuyahoga River. Yeah. Walking over the bridge, looking down at it, it's January. It's frozen, but it's, some parts are like... It's patchy. Some parts are like thin and, and uh, wet, and some parts are frosty and dry. Yeah. And uh, I told him, I said, dude, I'm not fucking leaving Cleveland until... I fucking uh, get get a pair of ice skates and a fucking tutu and fucking ride or skate on this ice until I fall through the ice. Yeah, you know. And it took me a week to get the footage where I was happy with it. I did it two different days, and um, over the course of those two, those, those, over the course of that week. Uh, you know, I bonded with this fucking shady rave guy. We came up with a plan to distribute all the video footage that I had to put it into a fucking video in the worst deal I ever fucking could have signed. And, uh, and, and, um, he like, uh, wanted to do more personal appearance shit. And so he says, oh, I, he, he called me up and he says, Hey, I got, uh, Panama city. It's a big spring break location. I'm going to bring you out there to do an appearance. And I went down there. It was a couple of weeks in a row. I went down there and I'm like, dude, there's a fucking stage right there. I'm not going to fucking sit here and meet and greet. I'm going to get on the fucking stage and do my thing. Yeah. So I went on the stage and did like an hour long fucking show of just, just, just thousands of people came up to the stage and I just fucking did stupid shit, you know? And then, and all of a sudden, so then that was how the fucking tour was born. You know, the, the very first tour, it was like, wow. You know? And that was these underground tapes that, what were they called? The Steve don't, don't try this at home. Don't try this at home. Yeah. And that- is there any way to fucking just hit pause real quick so I can take it? Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh wait, let me let me you know what let me it's... Hey, did you DVR my special? Steve O's pissing. You can take two seconds and DVR it. It's gonna be airing every night this whole week, so make sure to get, watch it at some point. Just tune into Showtime. I love you. Thank you very much. Now back to the podcast. So I had to piss so bad just then. Uh 
It happens. It, man, that, yeah. the worst is when you do Rogan and you're th- like two and a half hours in and you're like, I don't want to piss because it'll be over. But right. if I, but if you just give me like, <laughs> give me one more minute, give me. Uh, so you, so that that guy is the one who started doing. Don't try this at home. Right. Yeah. We that that guy Nick Dunlap. Yeah. And, and it was crazy because you know like um, that was uh, the. That was where I met the the production crew. Like uh, Tremaine flew out the production crew to Panama City, and they were filming me doing my fucking spring break deal. And then, uh, and then we drove from there. When I got to LA, uh, I, I I jumped on an airplane, flew back to Panama City for for the next weekend of it. And so I had like you know, and I was getting paid like I get I forget what it was, maybe like three grand per weekend or something. So yeah. I think I did three weekends in a row, and. Um, that that came to like nine thousand bucks, you know. And so here I'm living in L.A. I got out to L.A. I've got like nine fucking thousand dollars in the trunk of my car, you know. And um, I, uh, <coughs> it was so funny because like I mean I could have gotten an apartment, but I but I didn't want to. And Jeff Tremaine loved the fact that both me and Chris Pontius, you know, the two jackass guys, Chris Pontius is one of the most, one, probably one of the most in. Do I and I, talent, after this I'm, natural talent. Wild Boys was, was an obsession of mine. <laughs> well, to, and, I, and I party with Dimitri in New York. Nice. Dimitri came to one of my shows, and Dimitri's Russian. Sure. And and I had a, I I don't know if you I have a story where I that's my probably my most famous story. I got involved with the Russian mafia when I was a kid. Nice. And we robbed a train. Dimitri was like, dude, I'm, and, the, and so then, and I knew him. I knew him from the show, and I was like, hey, I gotta. I got to fucking geek out and talk wild boys. But wait, but keep going. Yeah, so so I, I'm out there. I'm living out of my car with all this money in the trunk. And and Chris Pontius was homeless living out of his car. And so Jeff Tremaine was like, he told us, I don't want either of you guys fucking getting an apartment. You know, I'm going to fucking. Uh, you know. I like that he's got like a, I like that he's got an idea of, 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 a, of branding. Right. Like a general concept he, of branding. He, he, he is uh, on Jack Tremaine's suggestion, I think, that, that uh, Pontius and I had compete. We had a competition to see who could stay homeless the longest, despite the fact that we were like now recognizable you know, in television personalities. And, uh, and so we, we, we stayed to see how to, where we were to stay homeless for as long as possible. And we were to try to uh, find a new woman every night to, to, to stay at her place and have sex with her. Yeah. You know, and I was meticulously keeping track of how many women I had had sex with. You know, like uh, I had no place. I had no place. <laughs> you know, some people do that other than a game. They just do it for life. They're like, I should know my number. <laughs> yeah, my, my, You're doing it for a show. <laughs> These are, this is my list. <laughs> I was like, I, I had no place to be. So there was a, the jackass had uh, they had offices. So I'm in the jackass offices, and, and I'm like, like, like seriously writing down like so carefully on this list and I'm like what are you doing and I'm like I'm factoring my slay point average oh, fuck. <laughs> my, my SPA <laughs> what was your what, what did your number get to uh, when I first made the list uh, shortly after getting to LA um, I think I had like 72 like uh, I, I think I was like uh, one and, of and these were these were these were, this, it was strictly for confirmed kills one of those was um, Stephen Dorff's girlfriend Oh, but that, no, you're talking about way. I later. saw that. I saw that video. Of right, Stephen Dorff leaving you voicemails. He wasn't, he wasn't leaving me the voicemails, but that that came way way. Have you ever have you talked to him ta- since? No, no, and I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I want to. I well, want well to you, you were drinking then, so I'm sure you have some sort of like. Well, yeah, but still, man, I would love to uh, fucking try to make that right with him. And I shouldn't even really, you know. 
Like, uh, is that something you have to do in sobriety? Do you have to take really, every one of your? Every I, I one think of your... he's someone that, that deserves like like. Uh, he, he, I think he. he... <laughs> but but in any case, um, now this was. There's only a it. handful of people with good Stephen Dorff stories in right. L.A. This was this one was... of them's blue cigarette guys. <laughs> This was way before that. This would have been in in uh, March of two thousand one. I was at seventy two, which is pretty Holy good. Because, pretty good or or fucking horrific, you know, <laughs> like, depending on how you look at it. But because like the the jackass phenomena was still pretty pretty new. I mean, it came out in October of two thousand. So from October of two thousand to March of two thousand one, there wasn't that much time. You yeah, it's so a lot of work. Seventy two, like uh, I, I, you know, I was. And then um, I kept track uh, meticulously. I remember getting a call fairly shortly after going out to L.A. Now, now it's not just a personal appearance. It's the Shady Rave promoter guy says, because he saw what I did in Panama City on the stage. Yeah. So now we got a fucking show. So he's not booking a fucking, he's not booking a tour. He's, he's not booking a, uh, a personal appearance thing. He's booking a fucking tour of, of a show. And so he says, he says hey, man, uh, I sold our show to uh, the largest nightclub in Mexico. In June, in the summer. And I'm thinking, man, what the fuck? Who, uh, who the fuck in their right mind would go to Mexico, let alone during the summer? You know, where it's yeah. even hotter than it is in America. But, uh, fuck, we went, we went to, we went to goddamn Mexico in, in June or whatever, fucking sold out the largest nightclub in Mexico three weekends in a row. Uh, Holy shit. Yeah, man. I remember. And this was you, was Bam still doing I, these? I think I might have got like, uh, it was, it was still, it was so fucking, uh, Bam wasn't part of, I did that with Wingman and Preston Lacey. Yeah. And, uh. I always wonder what the stories of those Don't Try That At Home videos were, because you'd see them and go, wait, were they, like, when is this happening? Like, when are these parties at bars happening? Like. Right. <laughs> I never understood. And and then I don't, you know, and I've been, I've been intelligent vision for 17 years and I could not wrap my head around the concept that you were just shooting a season and then you had a year free to do whatever the fuck you wanted and you had to work you had to do other stuff well i mean fuck like uh, i didn't have to i just always did you know yeah. and and we we booked like uh it, it was really thing you know once we we did the mexico thing and it was wildly successful and i came in and i've just got all this fucking crazy money in my car <laughs> you know and, and uh i would um be looking for places to stay but i didn't find like a, a woman or, or just a friend or whatever i would break down and I would go to this this shady, fuck, just dingy place called Hollywood Center Motel on, uh, is it on Sunset? Or, or uh, I think it's on Sunset. Yeah. God, it's a fucking, I would, I felt like the fucking Tom Hanks in the movie Big, where he's in the hotel and like, he's like the little kid and yeah. like the crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, I would just be holed up fucking like uh, inhaling nitrous oxide and passing out over and over. Like, uh. Fuck, it was, it, it was just crazy times, man. But I, but I, I, my drug problem, it wasn't necessarily even a problem at that point. It was just a habit. But, uh, it, but it was just... Did, it you was, have, did you have sober days? No. No. Yeah. No. I, I generally uh, would do cocaine for uh, for like two or three days in a row and then sleep heavily and then get up and then start doing cocaine again. It was like two days on, one day off. And then gradually that turned into three days on and one day off, you know, more and more. But like, yeah, I, the, the, you know, 
early days, man, that like uh, all the filming in in, uh, in in L.A. for the TV show and stuff, and I was generally coked out, man. You know, certainly on the first movie, that first fucking jackass movie, with the exception. So wait, did you do three seasons in the movie? We did three seasons in the movie. Yeah, I remember. And, I remember thinking. I remember being very candid. Uh, I was at Crunch on at the Lemley. You know that uh-huh. I was at the Lemley and there was a coffee place. And I want to say, I I don't I don't know how I don't know what my technology was at the time. But I remember hearing the movie came out, and I was like, I was like, there's no way this is going to be a hit. And then all of a sudden, within hearing that, and by the time I got up to Crunch, I found out that it was like a fucking smash. And I was like, well, I mean, it was number one in the box yeah. office, and and uh, fuck, I mean, it only cost six million to make. <laughs> no, what was the what was the you don't have to answer the question, but what was the financial breakdown like? Do you, were you still getting like two thousand dollars a stunt, or did they? No, uh, I, I went from I went from uh, from per per bit on the first season two grand, or sorry two two hundred or five hundred per bit. So the first season I made fifteen hundred. Yeah. Then I went to two thousand per episode, which uh, you know for seasons two and three combined, I got uh, like twenty grand. Yeah. Um. And uh, then when the first movie came around, and the reason why we made the first movie was because kids were showing up in hospitals like all over the place, like sort of imitating, uh, you know. I was at a club in I was at a club in Orlando, and a guy went running out. A guy named John John went running out a window and jumped out of the window onto a tree and broke his wrist. And I was like. (laughs) And they're like, it's from Jackass. And they're like, he's right. trying to do it. His friends are filming it. And I was, it was like, and there was a lot <sighs> of uh, there was a lot of uproar. You know, like Senator Joe Lieberman was trying to uh, to you know lobby to get Jackass shut down. The 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 lawyers at MTV were really concerned over the liability of it. You know, like and uh, and as they, they started coming down on us. Uh, and and uh, you know imposing new rules and and uh, not like uh, agreeing to let us film stuff or and not like uh, not being willing to air stuff that we did film and Knoxville was just fucking pissed off. He was like, "Hey man, like we're not gonna do a watered down version of the show. You know, like if you're going to like uh, limit us in what we can do and what we can show, then fuck it, I quit." And and right away, I think he already had it in his head. That uh, to quit the show on the t- on TV, like the the profit margin was was uh, unprecedented. It was the cheapest show to fucking make. I mean, it's yeah. like a bunch of it's like backyard wrestling, you know. And uh, the it was the highest ratings that they were seeing for any kind of show of, of its kind, or, or that sort of format. The VMAs would get higher ratings, but I mean, fuck, you know, this was the biggest profit margin that they had ever seen. So they weren't just going to throw away the the idea. Knoxville quit, and he's like, you know what? They're worried about the liability for little kids copying, but if we do a, a R-rated movie, then you know that that, that takes care of that. Because with the R rating, so then, yeah, it's then, be it takes care of the liability for the little kids. So Knoxville had the, the you know Knoxville always wanted to be a movie star, and he already was a movie star at that point, you know. Um, and so yeah, that was how we got the movie deals. They came to us with the first movie deal, and. Uh, now, do you have an agent at this point, or a lawyer, no, or a manager? No, just I, I had a lawyer, but he was a joke. And is it was, was it a fucking joke? Did you guys know about terms like favored nations, or is it just basically? I they don't d- even. I don't even fucking know. I don't even know. You just, I, they I, just came to you and said it's X amount said, of dollars. They said, they said the, the, the the initial offer. The uh, they said we're going to give you sixty five grand to do this movie. You know, like uh, and and from what I understand, uh, Knoxville went to bat for us. 
and said, hey, man, like, uh, I'm not going to fucking do this unless you guys give these dudes some back end, you know? Yeah. Did you guys so, get back end of the movie? Got back end on the first movie, yeah. Holy fuck. It was, uh, like, I forget if it was one or one and a half points. Fuck. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, I mean, fuck, that turned into, I, I don't know what it was, maybe like 400 grand or something. Like, uh, um, yeah, yeah, points. That's, I mean, that's the Bruce Willis story is he did, he did the six cents for back end points. And, right. and Jackie Gleason did, uh, did Smokey and the Bandit for, and said, I want the cash. Don't give me back end points. And that would have been fucking right. legit cash. Knoxville's always been a solid dude. I ran into him. Right. I had a TV show when you guys were doing Jackass called the X Show. Uh huh. To be, to, you want? I mean, do we want to put like, you want to put perspective on it? So the pilot of Jackass comes out. I'm in the studio where we'd where we'd film, and I just happen to be walking through, and all our cameramen who shoot our TV show, by which I'm getting paid five grand a week for. That's when I did the math, and I was like, I'm a fucking millionaire. <laughs> Are watching the watching the pilot of Jackass in a VCR on a TV that they had brought out from behind, and they're all ah. sitting in the stands where the fans would sit, and they're laughing their asses off. And I thought, wow, I was like, literally, I was like, if my cameramen that shoot me every single day are watching something they like, it's got to be good. And I went up and I went, and he goes, I'm Johnny Knoxville, and I went, Johnny Knoxville, I haven't seen him since 1997. Right. I was like, shut the fuck up. So then cut to maybe maybe uh, maybe maybe like. Six weeks later, I'm at California Chicken Cafe, you know, on Melrose. I don't, but... Uh, I think I, I, you probably weren't there, uh, but I, Johnny Knoxville walked in, and I go, Johnny, and he's like, Bert Kreischer. He's like, what the fuck are you doing in LA? And I was like, I live here. I have a TV show. He was like, I have a TV show. I was like, no shit. I was like, he is the le- le- cross the board, the most legit dude I've ever run into. He's, he's fucking solid as fuck, man. I've always referred to Knoxville as the captain, you know, yeah. like, and it's just with fucking, it's just with respect and, and fucking admiration, man. Like, I've never been like, uh, yeah, I've just I've just always had it in perspective that 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 Knoxville is the captain, you know, yeah. and like for like the more successful Knoxville is, the 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 more opportunity that we've that we've had, you know. Yeah. And um, whenever I even did, uh, you know, Knoxville and Tremaine both, you know, I think Tremaine would have been more likely to be like uh, happy with and probably pushing for. Just give them fucking sixty five grand; they're going to be stoked. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah, what you? I, from what I understand, and, and maybe I don't know. I, I, maybe it's just a, like what, what I believe. I don't know. But from what I understand, I think Knoxville said, "Hey, you know, like I won't do this unless you take care of the guys with some back end." So, did you guys? You guys did the movie. It's a hit. Are, are, did Did you get ever other offers? I mean, when do agents show up? When do uh, I was trying to get it. I, I just had the fucking shady rave guy. You know, like uh, I had the shady rave guy and. Um, Fuck man, and and then uh, and it was when it was during that same fucking uh, first seven days in January of two thousand one when when I go out there for the party and and I stayed until I did the fucking uh, the extreme ice skating falling through the ice on the river. Yeah. Over the course of that seven days, I remember like uh, the you know the fucking shady rave guy because the, 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 the party was January twenty fifth and the next day I think he says so when so when do you need to get home by he's thinking that, that, that he's thinking I've got all kinds of shit going on and I got a fucking busy schedule and I gotta get back he says so when do you need to get home by he's asking me this on January twenty sixth I go mm, you know 
I, I have a girl I kind of like. You know, I'd like to get home by Valentine's Day. <laughs> so it's like, I'd like to be home by Valentine's Day. And he's like, wait, like, uh, you know, and he's got the 700 bucks. And he's just like, what about money? He says, I said, money. I go, dude. I, I got fourteen hundred bucks in the bank, dude. I'm chilling, you know, because because I had like uh, you know done some. Um, I'd let, let this internet company fly me out to New York to go do some some bits, and, and they they paid me a couple times. So I felt like oh, I have fourteen hundred bucks. I'm set, you know. Let's hang. And uh, there's another crazy thing that the AOL Instant Messenger. You know, you had the different settings where you could appear or not. Yeah. I, I go I, I go to this fucking the Nick Dunlap guy in his little office and in his apartment and I'm on his computer I go check this out and I fucking turn uh, my my privacy settings to to show me on the AOL instant messenger yeah. and right when I click fucking public or whatever all of a sudden it's just like all these instant messages like, like yeah. I don't know how everybody knew my email somehow and it was just like a little trick I would do to show off you'd be like oh wow holy shit you know it'd be like, it was like this is how it impressed people God, it wasn't I didn't see it. any like opportunity to monetize anything yeah. <laughs> just like look how popular I am it's another it's another clown trick like look at that! Look at that! Hey. Yeah, and it's like bump, The whole screen just lighting up with all these messages. Yeah, and I think it had a lot to do with me fucking <laughs> frequenting, uh, frequenting AOL chat rooms to fucking you know brag about who I was and try and find chicks to hump. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, to add to my SPA. <laughs> Your SPA. <laughs> right, but uh, but but it was while I was doing that trick. You know, showing the instant messages, I saw one of the messages come up on the screen, and it was this guy who had sold me my first bag of pot when I was in fucking college at the University of Miami, who went on to become a lawyer, an intellectual property lawyer. Uh, he's working for some fucking firm, and he's like right there in Cleveland. He's just around the corner. So, so I, I, I turn it all off, and now I'm talking to my buddy from college. And he's like, oh, come on over for dinner. He comes over, and the shady rave guy and the fucking shady lawyer guy they hit it off, and they become. Jay, Jason and Nick, Nick Dunlap and Jason Berg, and they 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 formed J and N Media, and these are the two guys that set up my distribution for the fucking, uh, for for the the fucking the Too Hot for TV video. Yeah. And now I got a tour going, so now we're filming on the road. So then we have volume two, of the tour video. Then we've got volume three, like uh, you know, and, and so holy shit. And, and they they've set up the distribution where it's like um. And these are going into every skate shop around. No, dude, they're 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 even crazier than that. They 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 want to. Joe Francis kind of money. So, so what they did is they set up Girls Gone Wild commercials, late late night direct response. So it's like way too hot for TV, you know. And then I had my own commercials come on every night. And, and Jackass is the number one show in the country, and yeah. so everyone's saying, so, "Oh, this so is late at night." They're like, "Call with your credit card right now. Order right now, and we'll include oh. we'll include the career ender, you know, Steve-O's fucking like uh, industry professionals swear this video's release will end Steve-O's career. It's so shocking and 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 and." and unsuitable for TV. So, and, and then of course, when you put in your credit card in order to the video, they keep the credit card information. And they just keep fucking sending you shit that you never even asked for. Oh shit. You know, which I wound up like, I was not fucking really happy about that, but, but whatever, these guys just wanted to fucking be aggressive and get rich. What happened was before the first Jackass movie came out, I'm on the road with Nick Dunlap. I do this fucking show where, uh, 
you know, like I'm part of the show. I'm chugging tequila and I got my tequila bottle on the edge of the stage. And, uh, there was some kid fucking someone in the crowd climbs on the stage and grabs the bottle of tequila. These bouncers go zipping over and just neutralize. They get the bottle back and they just fucking, I'm impressed by the bouncers. So I just started thinking on the spot on the stage. I go, these bouncers are fucking badass. Who wants to get on stage and try to run across the stage past the bouncers? They're going to fuck someone up. It's called British Bulldog. Who wants to play? This one kid jumps up in there. He's, 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 you know, he's so excited. And I see him. This fucking skinny little fucking 19-year-old kid. I'm like, come on, get up here. So I set it up. The kid, I go, one, two, three, go. I'm filming it. The kid runs across the stage past these bouncers, these college football players. It was just anticlimactic. They grabbed him. They lifted him up above their fucking heads and slammed him on his head on the stage. And the kid's laying there twitching. I think he was bleeding out of a fucking ear. And I'm like, stunned. I'm like, oh my God, that kid's really hurt. And so, like, but I'm all coked out. And I'm like, fucking, uh, who are that kid's fucking being loaded up into an ambulance right now fucking is that what we came here to do <laughs> the crowd's like yeah i'm like who wants to play another round of british bulldog and so then i get someone else on the stage and do it again and uh someone in the crowd was filming it and i wound up being charged with two felonies for uh one for a felony obscenity for stapling my balls to my leg on the stage i was in louisiana <laughs> and the other one was for being principal to second degree battery both felonies for the kid getting hurt. Yeah. The kid wound up suing me, the whole deal, you know. Um, I get fucking, uh, they, they gave me a $120,000 bail or, or a warrant for the, for the battery charge. And for some reason, they put a million dollar warrant on the fucking, uh, the obscenity charge. I go back home to LA. I'm sleeping off a cocaine bender. Fucking, uh, at this point, I moved into an apartment because it was just too much work to, to have my drug habit and try to be looking for a place to stay. Yeah. I just got an apartment so I could hunger down and do coke. You know? And yeah. uh, I'm sleeping off a bender and uh, my, my fucking uh, roommate goes, hey, uh, the cops are here. And then I showed up on – I, I had one point. $12 million fucking warrants. I showed up on the, the the most wanted list, like in the number one position. I got arrested. I was facing eight years in prison. I fucking had these two felony charges. Um, the, the shady lawyer guy tells me... Um, he says, hey, man, fuck, you're in some deep shit, you know, and, and uh, we got to go back to Louisiana to appear in court there because I was, I was extradited. Yeah. He says, when we get there, it's, it's possible that you're going to uh, have to uh, take a drug test. And it's not going to look good if you fucking fail a drug test, even though none of my charges were drug related. But I think he was already thinking ahead of the game. So he says, he, he says so, so no, no, no drugs and, and, and keep yourself clean so you can pass a drug test. Now, before we go to the fucking uh, to the, the, the court in Louisiana, yeah. this fucking shady lawyer guy from Cleveland – this is a guy I knew from University of Miami. He says, he says, hey, man, right now you can pass a drug test. This is probably the only window of opportunity that you are going to have in your entire life where you can pass a drug test. So we're going to take advantage of it. We're going to get you insured. He says, we're going to get you life insurance. We're going to get you health insurance. It's going to it's going to be great. It's going to it's going to be great. Fuck, I don't think I like what you're doing. <laughs> he says, going to be. I go, <clears throat> I go, life insurance. What the fuck? What the fuck? Like, he says, you got to do it. You'd be crazy if you didn't. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, man. I told him. I said, my sister had just had a kid, uh, you know. 
And uh, and so, like I said, outside, I get life insurance on 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 two conditions. One condition being that the sole beneficiary is my newborn niece. The other condition is I don't want to fucking know what the results of the physical are because I didn't want to find out I had AIDS or yeah. anything. Like that. <laughs> I, I, that was my philosophy back then. I was like, if I have AIDS, I don't want to know. Yeah, which is the most fucked up thing. But so 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 he's he's like. So sure enough, I don't want to know if I got the insurance. So the lawyer, sure enough, man, I, I, two weeks after I took the physical, I got a fucking call on my cell phone. It's the insurance company. And they're saying, hey, we're calling with a follow-up insurance. Do a follow-up interview. I said, follow-up what? Are you telling me I got insurance? They said, yeah, you got a $3 million life insurance policy. I said, and the sole beneficiary is my niece. They go, no. Fucking, it's for Nick Dunlap and Jason Burke. <laughs> Shut yeah. up! And I was like, "What?" <laughs> so, so yeah, they, they oh, they're uh, just waiting for. They thought, "Oh, he's definitely." And, and meanwhile, they, they're they're the the uh, they're fucking making videos to distribute to the fucking too hot for TV fucking uh, for the video distribution. Where like I'm crawling inside trash cans and they're fucking shoving me off rooftops and shit. <laughs> this is horrible. Yeah. It was hilarious. Well, tell me that the split up on the money was fair, right? Oh, for the video distribution? For the video Yeah, were you making good money for that? Dude, it was the worst. I had no idea, man. Like, they, they should have been, like, agents and got, like, 10%. You know? Yeah. Like, it was fucking 333. Three, three. Or uh, one-third, one-third, one-third. Fuck. <laughs> and I, yeah, it was terrible. And, and then by the time the third video came out, which, uh, and, and, and by that point, and then in that third video alone, my, my, my uh, it was a world tour fucking, um, Sold out venues in twelve different countries. It was, it was the the third video went through twelve different countries, and it was epic. Yeah, it was epic as fuck. And, and I was getting three grand per show. And and looking back on it, man, I never even asked. I never even asked about it. Like I was selling out theaters like three thousand fucking three thousand times. Now two. now that you know numbers, and now that you know right. clubs, you might, you're, I'm sure you look back. And oh, like, dude, I'll tell you, dude, three thousand times twenty bucks a ticket is uh, what's that? Sixty thousand. And I'm fucking, like, I was pulling in three grand. Fucking. <laughs> it's, that's a travesty. I know. But the thing was that I didn't, I didn't think I was going to live. I honestly didn't think I would fucking see the age of 30. I did. Really? I did not think I would. And, and all I cared about was my legacy. I never even, I didn't even have an ATM card. I mean, I didn't, like, uh, I just didn't fucking care about money. And in and, and, and their, and, and, and their defense, I was the easiest fucking, you know, I didn't, I never asked. I just didn't. Now I'm like more like mindful about shit, you know? Yeah. Now, do you focus, not not focus, but do you like, like when your agent goes, okay, so I got 20 funny bone offers or improv offers. Oh my God. You know what? My, my, my attitude over the last, you know, sort of six years of doing stand up and all over the place has just been like, man, I'm like, I'm so grateful to be in this position. I want to fucking like, uh, while I have the earnings potential that I do right now, I want to just take advantage of it. I want to do is I want to make as much fucking money as I possibly can. And, and uh, and, and I have I've fucking I've just grinded out. Right now I'm on a run. I'm only home today, and I go back out. To, I came home yesterday. Where you, where you tomorrow. at tomorrow? Tomorrow, where do I go to? Fuck uh, Minneapolis, Mall of America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rick House of Comedy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I love that guy. And, and I love. I love him it. and his but, wife. But like right now, I'm on a fucking. I've got 17 weeks, and uh, 15 of them I'm, I'm working. You know, like I'm out 15 out of 17 weeks, and that's not even. It's just, it's gnarly. And I've gotten to a point where I'm so burned out on the road. I'm just so, it's like, uh, I, I'm just, 
I gotta like I'm I'm inclined to just fucking say no. Hey, you don't have to tell me. I've been doing the road for probably four years, five years before you started. And yeah, I, and it's fucking. I have moments of clarity where I go. What am I doing? Where I go? I go. Am I? I'm I, like I. I've been saying a lot lately. Because I, I picked this when I was 20, my 26th birthday. When, when that Rolling Stone article came out, I decided I want to be a comic. And I thought, so I picked this at 25. At 25, I decided to do this. I'm 44. I turned 44 in two days. And I never really thought of what the life that I might have where I'd have kids and redoing a house and all these grown-up decisions. And I'm still some guy just thinking of a fucking silly joke. Like sure. literally thinking, oh, this is a good bit. This will work, right? And I'm and I'm like, am I cool with this at at sixty or at fifty? You know, am I right. cool with this at fifty? Well, I don't I know. Mean, yeah, I mean, you just, I'm going to sock it away. I'm going to sock it away. I'm going to sock it away because at a certain point, I'm not going to be able to fucking earn like that. You know? Did you see the Showtime special? Help your road stuff. Uh, I don't even really know. You've even you've. I mean, you don't have to say yes or no, but I know for a fact you you pretty much sell out every show you do. Yeah, I, in the winter, yeah. In the winter, I'm I'm like uh, selling out. I'm adding shows, you know. Yeah. Summer is it's, summer's it's, a tough summer's, spot. Summer's more difficult, you know. Summer, I was in Sacramento or Syracuse, and I mean, I could have driven everyone home. That's uh, how many few people. Were oh, yeah. oh my god! If I said, guys, just have a drink, I'll drive everyone home individually. I was like, and they were like, you know, it's tough. Was it was Syracuse beautiful. Funny Bone? Yeah, Syracuse Funny Fuck, Bone. Fuck, man! Like. Uh, I was there in like Dude, July. I've done so well at Funny Bones. I love yeah, I know. Funny Bones. Funny Bones love you. I've done so fucking well in the Funny Bones. And then, um, you know, I don't know, man. Like, I was just on such a fucking hot streak where I really did sell out everything. And then the summer came, and, uh, and it's like, ah, oh, fuck, you know. Like, that's, uh, what, that's, the, that's the thing is that the summer, summer doesn't – it does, there's a lot of places it doesn't translate well to a comedy club. You know, because right. it, yeah, I mean, it's their one opportunity in Ohio to go out and have a gr- and have and cook out. That's, that's what's so great about the Funny Bones is the locations where they're at. You know, but no, I've done well. I, I've I've done I've done extremely well. And and um, if ever I'm if if ever I'm in a position, and this hasn't happened, I, I can't remember the last time it happened. But but if ever um, I don't, if ever because the, the 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 deal is structured like there's a minimum guarantee. Yep. Versus eighty percent of the door. Yeah, and if if uh, if eighty percent of the door, if I don't get if I, if I if I generate less money, then I don't even know why I have the fucking guarantee because I insist on giving the fucking every club a, a refund yeah. if they don't. If if they don't if I come in under the guarantee, thankfully I don't come yeah. under the guarantee. But uh, but yeah, like I'll, I'll just give the money fucking back. Sometimes you, know? you can do less of a guarantee and more of a percentage. Right, I know huh? guys that'll do zero guarantee versus ninety. For well, yeah, I knew I knew someone who'd do zero guarantee versus one hundred percent of the door. Oh. I, but this that the, those days are long gone. Right, but yeah, but those percentages, you know, and then especially you go to a place like Chicago, it seats four hundred, and you start looking, and you go, hey man, if what, I just what get club in Chicago seats four hundred, uh, Chicago Schomburg Improv. Okay, because because I, I, I've only done Zanies in Chicago. Yeah, Schomburg Improv. So have you done Liberty yet? Liberty, uh, Liberty Township, Ohio. Yeah, yeah. The Funny Bone. Uh huh. That place seats like fucking four twenty. Stand up live. You get your percentage, and you're like, right. I thought I had a soft weekend. They're like, No, 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 no. You had a great fucking weekend. Right. Because uh-huh. and you like, and then I have a buddy right now who's who actually just called like two seconds ago, uh, Tom Segura, who's doing very well on the road right now. And well, he's and like, Tom Segura is fucking destroying. I mean, he's, he's yeah. 
He's yeah. the best. He's I mean, I'd be shocked if Tom works. Segura was in a comedy club. Uh, he does. He does a couple. He, I mean, he does. There's still a lot of clubs he does. They, you know, you find that your you market stand up live, like, uh, like what, what, what are the, the um, in uh, San Francisco? They got a big one. Cobbs. Uh-huh, Cobbs. Cobbs is a good one. The clubs are, you know. I like that they're going bigger. Like Columbus is nice because you don't have to do Thursday, Sunday. You can do Friday, Saturday, sell bo- sell all those shows out and walk away with a big chunk of money and be like, that was fucking great. Right. Come in Friday, do press. Fuck, man. You know, this conversation right now is going to be like, yeah, it's a good deal. It's a good gig. <laughs> but dude, I only just found out that fucking uh, there's like a radiation problem from being on airplanes all the time. <laughs> Don't get me started about that. Dude, I fucking... Uh, I'm, I mean, dude, I'm logging 250,000 miles just on American. Oh, I've, dude, that's crazy, dude. You're flying more than me. I, 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 right now, um, I'm sitting at 126,000 for this year so far. What, what airline? American. American? Executive Platinum. Oh, well, <laughs> uh, let's... Uh, l- let me... I, I'll have a conversation off air with you <laughs> about what you need to do on American. Oh, okay. Because... Uh, it's all fair. I won't because they don't like the spot being blown up. But uh, I'm in that. I'm in the the, the the. There's a level above executive platinum. Oh yeah. Well, hey, Mr. Kreischer, well, come on, let's go. And they just walk you through. Ah, uh, okay. Fucking. But uh, it sounds like you just said it on the air. <laughs> <laughs> kind of did. <laughs> I'm having a problem with ego. The uh, the uh, I'm having a lot. I'm having fucking. I'm going through a lot of 250, fucking... man. So you're where you're going out every weekend. I'm every, I'm out every weekend. I'm out every weekend and then a lot of times I'll go back and forth. Like so I go to Dayton. This is the first this will we'll have Dayton's not, this great, will, man. Oh, this I, will already I, happen. The fine ones are fucking great. Man. I go to Dayton on I go to no, I fly into Indy uh on the 3rd. I do Bob and Tom. I fly from Indy to Dayton. I then do Dayton Friday, Saturday, Friday, Thursday, Friday, and then I fly to New Bob York. Bob and Tom, those are the guys that want they, they want you to. They want a set to, list. To, yeah, they want they, they're like they want you to lob them up a bit so they can get you to do your bit on the air. They do it when they first meet you, and right. then if you've uh-huh. done it a couple of times, they're pretty much like they're like, hey, give us How a couple. How do you feel about points. that doing bits on the air? I mean, I've, been I guess doing, like, I've been doing radio for a long time, so I I was part of that first generation where. You had to be cool with it. You didn't have an option. You'd go right. do uh, the show in Toledo, and that was how they did it. And so you just had to go. So for me, I'd be like, hey, ask me about the time I fought a bear. Ask me about the time I tamed lions. Ask me about the time I right. robbed a train in Russia. Ask me about jumping out of a plane with Rachel Ray. Ask uh-huh. me about, And I'd list it off, and I'd go, ask me any of those, and i just tell a story. So for me, it wasn't a bit. It was right, like right, right. it was very easy to kind of get into it. Like my robbing a train story is 12 minutes long. So I'd be like, if you, I got a five minute story, I got a six minute story, I got a two minute story, I got a, and then so for me it wasn't too bad, but personally I think the genre's grown of what we do. I know I mean, I've heard you on I think Rogan twice, and uh, and this energy is not there. There's not a lot of you don't find this a lot. Like this is not happening on terrestrial. It is on places. Like right. if you go to Elliot in the morning, uh-huh. and you go to Preston and Steve. If you do Cowhead, if you do, there's I a mean, lot of. I, I don't want to name too. them all. I wonder because, like, I guess people will listen to this interview, maybe the Joe Rogan, and be like, "Oh, he's got interesting, crazy stories," you know. So and I wonder, but like, but fuck, man, maybe I should be doing more bits on huh? like. Uh, no, I don't. don't no, because, I mean, because, listen. There's a. I, I say this. I say this with all respect. There's a lot. There's a lot that hanging out with stand-ups could do for you and your act. Uh-huh. There's things that you don't know that that are funny 
that you say that I go, right. fuck, that's fucking fascinating. But for you, that is not the way you perceive what people like about you. It's it's right. very tough to come from very, very famous, one of the fucking 100 most famous people in the country. Oh, I don't know onto, about that. What? I don't know. I think I, my fucking 77-year-old neighbor knew who you were. <laughs> That is very, he didn't, I've been on TV seven years and he doesn't know that. <laughs> so, but like to go into stand up and do stand up is very difficult because there's a perception of what you do. It's the same reason that you see a lot of stand ups get good and then Sam Kinison kind of like do nothing really great ever again because they're trying to please their fans. And then, and, the, and then for you to come at it from fame into stand up is so much more difficult than what I did is where I came from it from nothing. And I just learned how to. I learned how to not be funny. I learned how to not be funny, and then I subtracted that, and then I kept doing more not funny. I was like, "Go get rid of that," and then something worked, and I went, "Oh, that okay? Let's do a little bit of that." And then I did it ten years, did a special, and I was like, "Oh, that is fucking horrible." And then I was like, and then I got into TV, and I did my next special, and then I was like, "Oh, that is now horrible too." Oh fuck! I and I'm still not famous. So I, I've now done two specials, been doing stand-up for 17 years, and when I do the road, I definitely have a million tricks in my bag, but I also have the opportunity to figure out my voice and take chances that you kind of aren't allowed by an audience. An audience, if you really go into something that maybe has a little bit of pathos and ethos and, and you take a real chance, people might be like, this isn't what I want to see, you know, so it's really difficult. Right. Oh, you, you, should, you should hang out. You should you should be spending a lot of time at the store, getting up at the store, and and fucking hanging around guys. Dude, I hung out with man. I hate doing fucking stand up in L. A. Though, man. Like, don't uh, fuck that. Ignore that. Ignore that. Ignore that. I I just feel like I feel like if I'm gonna work on uh, on uh, on new shit, like why not work on it in fucking Dayton, Ohio, instead of going to the to the comedy store, to the fucking Laugh Factory, the 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 Hollywood Improv, where like there's like influential people. That's not the place to. to, It's not. Do you not? Don't do the OR. Don't do the main room. Do the belly room. Do the new material belly room. Rogan and I do it all the time. Do the Um, new material belly room. Even though you know what, I'm I'm past the point of even giving a fuck. I think like uh, you've look. I think you're in an opportunity. From what I perceive to be, to really turn a fucking corner, you've got so many, you know, you have so many life experiences that people would be really on the edge of their seat wanting to listen to. I mean, when I saw you and Pontius in a, in a hammock and tigers jumping at you, and then I heard you go, fuck this, fuck this, it's all, I'm not, like, and you, and those, those are that, like, when you throwing up the goal, there's things that you've done. That we all kind of witnessed together at a certain time in our lives when that was like and, – and it's it's really tough. It is very difficult to get these stories that we already have a connection to, we already have a back story to and tell them on stage. But I think if you did that, I think it would be – I think you'd be – I think you'd surprise yourself. Yeah, fuck, man. That's, I, I like that, dude. So, so, so when you go out – I take it you flew in yesterday and you fly flew out in tomorrow? yesterday. I go out tomorrow. And then I'll go. I'll go to New York. I'm doing a show in New York with a buddy of mine, Jay Okerson. He does a. I love Big J. Yeah, Big J is my fucking favorite. We dude. do a crowd work show. He does a crowd work show for CISO. I'm He's so good at crowd work man. for a night. Do you think crowd work translates on a special as well as it does in the, in, in the live? It only does if you're one of the best doing it. That's the problem. Is you have to be Big J or Paula Poundstone He's so or good. Todd Glass, like someone who's really great at crowd work. Then it translates. But if you're not, I mean. Crowd work for us is a great. I mean, I'm a, I'd say I'd, I'm great at crowd work, but I couldn't do it in a special. Ian Bag, you ever seen Ian Bag do crowd work? Mm. God damn it, man! That's that guy's fucking genius. 
genius. I mean, yeah. Big J is Big J and Ian are probably top two of crowd work I've ever seen in my life. For sure, man. I, I love Big J so much. Yeah, the. Uh, but I think I mean I'm, I'm not to so tell now, you. So now today's your only day home, and yeah. you'll go to the comedy store and, and. Well, today I remember my kids are throwing me a birthday party, right? So I won't. And last night was Halloween, so I couldn't. Right, but, 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 I, that, but that's normal for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if I'm in town, I'm going to the store. I'm going to do a spot in the OR. I'll do a spot in the main room. I'll call up. I'll usually there will be like a produce show that Red Band will do, where I'll go do a spot there. I love Red Band or like. Or like coming in and try to do a kill Tony. Those are really fun. Like if when Tony will have me, or like the belly room is man. The belly room. Jeremiah throws this new material show where it's just it's great comics. I mean I'm to legit saying the best comics in the country, and it's no regular material. They'll say things, and you just got to uh, from the audience, and you got to come up with a bit about it and try to think on your feet. Wow. Okay. And there's, so there's no judgment. Everyone's doing okay, and if you do a bit, everyone's like, what the fuck. Like no, no bits. Those new crowd, those new material wait, wait, shows. Wait, when is that? I'll text Jeremiah right now. All right, cool, man. And uh, I'm sure everyone is going to be texting him in two seconds now that they've heard. Hey, Bert, oh, Jeremiah. Uh, why is this live? No, this is not uh, live. But uh, <laughs> how would you feel? I wonder. Uh, yeah, we should probably wrap up. Yeah, probably wrap yeah, yeah, yeah. Up. I know your your voice gives out after three hours. I've heard. Uh, I, I mean, fuck. I, I don't care. My voice. Um, my voice gives out when I get dude, out of bed. I got to tell you, man. I. I uh, it it is a it is a real pleasure pleasure to talk to you. Well, thanks, as man. A, Likewise, as a guy dude. who was a fan of yours, of yours before you got into stand up, and then to watch you get into stand up, enjoy your special, and then go, God, man, there's so much. And like I said, this business is best done. When shared as a collective, when we help each other out, right? And so, if you ever are like, I uh, do this, dude, with- I, you know what, man? I've been said, like, before I take my special, like maybe a couple weeks, I fucking invited Ian Edwards, Bobby Lee, um, who I, I think there's only two comedians. Then I had like a couple other people um, to come, kind of vet your set. Yeah, I, I, I taped it, and they're like, you "What know, the fuck you know, is this? What, what? They said, "Why are you fucking doing this right before you tape the special? Fucking do this." You should have done this months and months ago. And that's what the store's about. Right. The store's about... That's what... Dude, I would Rogan, love- I did some stupid bit that I didn't think was anything, and I it was a throwaway. Did not know it was funny. It's the fact that I I used to think Anne Frank and Helen Keller were the same person. And then fucking Rogan grabbed me. He's like, that's a fucking bit. I was like, no, it's not. It's, I'm an idiot. And he goes, no, 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 no. I'm dying in the back. We're all laughing. You've got to work that out. And then you go, okay. And then you go on the road, and you're like, yeah, I guess that is... A, I would never have done that. I would never do that. But... Your friends pull you aside and go, work on that. Hey, man, right, uh-huh. this fucking Ralph Sampson story you got, th- work on that. That's fucking good. And that's why you need to be coming by the store because people will say that, that hey, fuck all the other shit. D- d- well, well, I, mean, I, I will go to the store more often, but, but I think what's going to be more effective for me is to, to tape a show – where like uh, I'm on the road and it's you know there's there's a good sized crowd so you really have the uh, the the crowd reaction to it and you can t- tell on there but like tape the show and then come back and and like everybody over you know have like a little house party kind of a deal and and have them watch through the set uh, in the living room so they can be taking notes and you know uh, it's hot. man grab a couple young comics take them on the road with you get find uh-huh. a really, some really young talented comics and take them on the road with you and go hey I'll I'll, I'll even you out at the end of the week, I'll I'll, fly, I'll help you get in. Sell my merch, you yeah. Fucking- <laughs> and you sell your merch, get a percentage, and get and I'll take care of you money wise. But watch my sets, man. Help me figure out what uh-huh. I'm doing. I do it. 
I definitely I, do it. I had this bit about black people versus black persons, and I Shane Torres, and I went up to him and I go, I want to do this. He goes, extremely racist. And I was like, <laughs> I go, is it really? He goes, you don't hear what you're saying. It's very racist. I was like, I'll prove you wrong. Went up and I just watched people go, is he saying that when they? <laughs> but it's very fucking helpful, man. I'm, I'm, and I gotta right. say, I uh, dude, I I'm. I admire your your fucking drive and the well, fact thanks, that you've man. gotten to where you are and that you're sober and you're still fucking a chill fucking cool dude. Just going for it, man. And th- thank you, brother. Like, uh, I, 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 any help I can I can get, man. If we can fucking work together, fucking go through some footage or, or just fucking do do some sets. You'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you my number after this. Yeah, please do. Awesome. Do you have anything you want to promote? Dates coming up. I'm going to put this. this is going to come out on the 10th or no, the uh, 9th of November. Uh. Fuck, um, 9th of November, uh, do I have Lexington, Kentucky after that? I, maybe or maybe not. I'll be in Lexington, uh, yeah, that weekend. Lexington, Kentucky off the, off Broadway or? Oh, is that Steve Hofstetter's? I can't remember. But then after that, I go, does this, are you big in the UK and Europe? Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I'm fucking crushing a 24 city theater tour. Through uh, ten different countries, starting uh, in Dublin, Ireland, on November twenty fourth. Oh God! Going all the way through. This podcast uh, is over. I just got depressed. Keep going. Going, <laughs> <laughs> going, going all the way through uh, dis- December twenty second in Reykjavik, Iceland. Oh great! I'll be in Tampa, everybody. <laughs> Fuck! That's gonna be a blast, man. It's uh, it's it's gonna it's gonna be gnarly. Yeah, it's uh, you know, Ireland, England, Scotland, um, Holland, Germany. Sweden, Norway, Denmark, well, listen, Iceland. If you guys heard it on this podcast, come by, say hi, and say the machine sent you. Do you know Jim Norton? Of course I know Jim Norton. He's walking in right now with Sam Roberts. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Thank you, brother. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.